0: Hello and welcome, there it is, the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and joining me as he does every Sunday night, Fantasy Love's Finest, Dwayne, The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, happy week two, my friend. Oh my goodness, hot start, I can't hear you, this is great. Dwayne, are you on, are you on mute? Yeah, here we
1: are. You got me. There we go. Now I
0: can oh, hear you, Oh, my bad. No, yeah. Hell yeah.
1: No, I said, uh, yeah, we we had week one, we thought we knew things, then week two happened, we we knew nothing, (laughs) we knew nothing, like there's a lot, man, that like happened today that was, uh, you know, we get carried away with one data point, like it's the only data point we have, we get excited about it, and we've been waiting the whole time, but uh, now we still don't have that many data points, but we have two, so at least we can compare them.
0: We had zero, we have one, now we got two, so let's go ahead and discuss that second data point that we now have at the table, as always, great day be great, and appreciate you guys all tuning in. Jets beat the Browns, and just one of many freaking classics that we had today. I mean, they always talk about the witching hour when the fourth quarter comes along on NFL Red Zone. It was getting feisty once again, both slates. Jets 31, Browns 30. Jets covered a six-and-a-half-point dogs. dogsy overcashed at 39. So just real quick, some highlights. Joe Flacco, 307 yards and four touchdowns. Dwayne, this dude's had like five spot starts now over the last two and a half years. He's putting up numbers. Again, 307 and four touchdowns today. Last week, he was at 309 yards and a touchdown. The three previous starts before that, multiple touchdowns in each and every appearance. So Joe Flacco, maybe he's not the most elite quarterback ever these days, but the man does know how to get some numbers up there, style points be damned, but the real star of the day. Just maybe someone that actually was uh, both of our wide receiver ones, uh, Dwayne, going into the dynasty uh, side of things, but Garrett Wilson, fantastic performance eight catches 102 yards and a pair of scores just looked unguardable throughout most of the afternoon out there I mean could have even had a third touchdown uh, earlier on in the game in the second but Flacco couldn't quite put it on him so fantastic stuff from Garrett Wilson really being the heart and soul of that Jets passing game again mentioned could have even had a third touchdown but you know what 102 yards and two scores will take it now Dwayne Maybe didn't exactly pull away from this, you know, four wide receiver rotation that Jets continue to work with. But I think this is a good example of a rookie going out there, doing the damn thing he was drafted for. Should only see bigger and better things from Garrett in terms of a utilization standpoint moving forward.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And he did take a step forward. Um, Last week, he was around 50% route participation. This week, he was at 76%. So, I mean, um, he was pretty much one of the main three receivers on the field. Elijah Moore was still out there the most, 94%. Elijah Moore is still going to be fine, folks. He's a really good receiver. Don't forget what Elijah Moore was last year. We're at week two. Like this happens, like we can't have two, you know, receivers be like, you know, uh, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill like every game. So a lot of times whenever you have two really good guys, it's a little bit of back and forth. Um, the positive is it does look like Garrett Wilson is going to be that other guy. Corey Davis was still out there for 76% of the routes as well. This was a trailing game script for the most part for the jets. So they did have to use, use three wide receivers more. But what was nice is Braxton Berrios was only out there for 22% of the routes. If you're from the Braxton Berrios family, you don't think that's a nice thing, but if you're not, and you drafted Garrett Wilson, you should be excited. Um, He was out there and he saw 35% target share, Ian, 38% target rate or targets per route run, 2.76 yards per route run. It was an absolute monster day all the way around for Garrett Wilson. And that's two weeks in a row that he's led the team in targets per route run. So this is a guy to your point that I think he will only be getting more and more involved.
0: Running back usage was actually a little bit problematic. We have Michael Carter leading the way. Unofficially, with the snap counts, our lovely PFF team still grinding all this stuff. But as the time that I pulled it, Michael Carter led the way, 61% snaps, seven carries, five targets. Brees Hall, 26% snaps, seven carries, one target. Ty freaking Johnson. Got to get him involved, Dwayne. You trade up for Brees Hall. Got to get Ty Johnson on the field for 20% of the snaps. So we always say it, man. We can live with two running back committees in the year 2022. Three or four are when things get problematic. So Ty wasn't out there in Week One. Maybe this is another instance of it's just one data point. And we're we're not really going to have to worry about him. But like this is the shit that the Patriots do, Dwayne, that it gets annoying when you have someone out there taking 20, 25% snaps. No, we don't care about Ty Johnson, but because if he's going to be in there making this a three-way committee, even if he's clearly the number three guy in it, it's going to be awfully difficult to get Carter or Hall above the RB3 territory really throughout the whole season if this is what they're going to keep doing.
1: Yeah, and it really hurt Brees Hall the most um, because he lost some of that passing down work. The long down and distance, 64% of those snaps went to Ty Johnson. of the two-minute offense went to Ty Johnson. So Michael Carter still stayed out there for 53% of that two-minute offense. But Brees Hall really was cut across the board. 27% snaps, as you mentioned. You look at his long down and distance, only 18%, 16%. And what does that mean? That means you're only out there for 20% of the routes. 20% route participation just isn't going to do it for a guy like Brees Hall, where we really need him involved in the passing game to help offset the fact that Michael Carter's really leading the way on the ground. Now, the splits did get a little bit closer um, as far as the rushing attempts. 43% of the rushing attempts to Michael Carter, 33% to Brees Hall. So I'm with you. It's like, let's just kind of step back and monitor it. But Ty Johnson is a receiving back. So to see him getting used in this exact way, it is kind of worrisome. Like, are they – you know, he's probably one of these guys that just – always looks good at practice. And they're like, well, crap, like we got to give him, you know, what are we doing if we don't just go ahead <laughs> and get him to run? You know how it goes. I mean, whenever these coaches see guys like really working hard. And Ty Johnson, you know, he's never truly been in someone that we could depend on in fantasy or broke out, but he has some nice traits, man. Like he, he's a nice receiving back. Like at one point we thought, well, maybe Ty Johnson, like could be a sleeper. Um, so, but right now to your point, it's just really more of a pain, uh, you know, in the butt because it's really hurting Brees Hall.
0: With the Browns, I mean, this one really hurts them not to get the win because Jacoby Brissett played really well out there. I mean, 22 for 27, 229 yards and a touchdown. Several off-script plays that we've seen him make periodically throughout his career, but this was one of the really good games you'll get occasionally from Jacoby Brissett. So as someone that's, you know, used my platform here to say, you know, some I think objectively correct things, but probably not the nicest things about Jacoby Brissett throughout the offseason. Great game from Jacoby and could have been even bigger. I mean he had a dime to Don from People's Jones in the end zone where unfortunately DPJ just couldn't get his feet in bounds. Also in the David Njoku was open in the back of the end zone. Jacoby put it right on him, just couldn't get you know his second foot down despite actually catching the ball and Jacoby doing everything he needed to. So the best thing Dwayne I thought that we saw from Jacoby was that maybe Amari Cooper. Maybe we don't have to actually just completely qu- On Amari Cooper this year. We talked about how last week, I mean, Amari only had the 17 yards, but you actually watched the game, you could see what he was doing in terms of just the route running ability, drawing penalties all over the place. This one caught nine of 10 targets for 101 yards and a touchdown. Hey, this is still a situation where Jacoby threw 27 passes. I know the Browns aren't going to be going out of their way to feed Cooper, you know, week in and week out in this run first offense. But at a minimum, Dwayne, upside wide receiver three territory. As we start to see some of these other guys in that range, you know, the Elijah Moores of the world, maybe not be kind of clear-cut number ones that we thought they were going to be in their offense. Maybe Amari Cooper does still have a little something for us here in the year 2022.
1: Yeah, I mean, out there, 37% target share, uh, 91% route participation. So, I mean, you just, he just needs, you know, Jacoby Brissett to be good. You know, I mean, he's Jacoby Brissett to have games like this. And if he does, we know that Amari Cooper's capable. He's not going to be this dominant every game. We've seen him long enough in his career to know that, like, this is not really his wheelhouse, but he has games like this, right? He's really more of a 21, 22%, you know, target rate kind of guy, not a 34 percenter. But he is good enough to have these type of games, especially whenever you know, you know get him out there against a cornerback that you know, just maybe hasn't seen some of what Amari's got. Like Very, very good route runner, great releases, can definitely turn someone around. So I thought that was positive for him. Um, as far as um, the tight ends, David Njoku was actually out there 85% of the routes. So I know we were a little bit worried last week with the 72% um, routes per dropback. So to see that back up at 85% was really nice. You did still see Harrison Bryant involved a little bit, but it wasn't at the expense of Njoku. At least from a a route participation standpoint, like, you know, Harrison Bryant demanding targets maybe isn't a good thing for for Njoku, but he was still almost at a 20% target share, 19%. So he was second on the team behind Amari Cooper today.
0: I did see that Harrison Bryant was listed on Don best injuries as having a head injury. So didn't actually see that happen during the game. I'm not sure if, you know, it got listed at one point it came back in, but keep an eye on that. Cause obviously if we remove Harrison Bryant from the equation, now going to be a lot easier to expect, you know, six plus targets each and every week out there for David Njoku three touchdown day from Nick Chubb, obviously, you know, Could have maybe gotten the Browns a victory if he uh, decided not to go in for that third one and just down the ball. But I don't know, course of the play right now. I mean, I'm not going to hold it against him. I probably blame the defense for giving up 17 points in the fourth quarter before I go and blame Nick Chubb for scoring too many touchdowns. Kareem Hunt didn't find the end zone, but still out there, 46% snaps, 15 combined rush attempts and targets. There'll be better days for him moving forward. Next matchup, pretty damn entertaining one. One of these games that I think we looked at as a sneaky shootout coming in. We're not necessarily getting that in the first half from one side, but by the end of it, we were. Washington loses to the Lions, 36-27. to 27. Lions cover as one-point home dogs by the time things close. cash is at 48-and-a-half. So, DeAndre Swift, we heard about a pitch count potentially coming in, and that did come to fruition. Only five carries in this one. Luckily, one of those carries went for 50 yards, as he's been doing now back-to-back weeks. Also, only caught, let's see, two catches. Good news is, one of them went for a 22-yard touchdown. Dude, it was like a third and 15. They just flipped it out to Swift in the flat. Like, there was no block in there for this to be a touchdown. I If that dude was hurt, like, I could not tell. I mean, I know he was hurt. I'm not not trying to call him soft or anything like that. But, like, he looked freaking great out there. So, hopefully, Swift, you know, really was an injury that clearly he wasn't worried about during the week. And we'll just see bigger and better things moving on. But, Dwayne, even with all that said, we did get the 51% team high snap rate from DeAndre Swift. Similar to what we were talking about with the Jets. We do have uh, one Craig Reynolds now factoring in a little bit. These three running back committees, not exactly what we're looking for. How worried are you about someone named Craig Reynolds now actually making this, you know, three running backs per week instead of two?
1: Uh, Not really. I think he was just out there because DeAndre Swift was on a pitch count. I I think that's really all it was. Um, I mean, so when you look at Swift, you know, he only took 21 percent of the rushing attempt. So that was way down from last week. So that's where they tried to protect him. But he was still out there for 93 percent of the long down and distance work and 100 percent of the two minute offense. So that got him up to 57% route participation. Not quite where we saw him last week, but that's still really healthy. If you look at Craig Reynolds, where did he come in and help? He picked up a few of the carries, 13% of the rushing attempts for the team. Jamal Williams was still at 50%. Jamal Williams took all of the short down and distance work. So he still looks fine. I think it's really just DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. Once, you know, as long as both backs are healthy, but it's worth noting, like if something does happen, you know, one of these guys goes down, uh, the next guy we should be thinking about, you know, if we're going to stash someone would be Craig Reynolds
0: by the way, Swift did not lead the Lions in rushing. That was the sun god himself, Amon Ross St. Brown. Just another massive performance. I said it on the last week podcast, Dwayne, I even got for once, you know, a quote tweet I was kind of happy with, one of the graphics. And it was basically like last week. I said, how many times does a Ross St. Brown need to be a wide receiver one until we just start treating him as a wide receiver one? He was my PPR wide receiver 12 last week. And that's probably going to be low compared to what I rank him at this week. Nine catches, 116 yards, two scores through the air, another 68 yards on the ground, mostly of that coming on a 58-yard fly sweep, where he just freaking did a Monroe St. Brown thing. So incredible game. Once again, an incredible game from a Monroe St. Brown per field. He has now tied the NFL record with at least eight catches in eight straight games. Right now, Cooper Cup with eight straight games with a touchdown, the only one beating a Monroe's current streak of six straight games with a touchdown. Seriously, Dwayne, full PPR. I I don't think we should continue to use two hands to count the number of wide receivers to rank ahead of a Mondra every week.
1: I have an eight this week. Let's so, go. I mean, I've, I've already moved on <laughs> like, look, I mean, now he's at eight games in a row of 30% plus target share. I mean, he goes hand in hand with, you know, the thing from field Yates. Um, yeah, dude, he's ridiculous. He's one of the best receivers in the league. He's in a great scheme. Jared Goff wants to throw the ball to him. I mean, I know we joked around and said, who's this year's Cooper cup. And everybody's like, no one, the answer is no one. There's not going to be someone like that. Well. Actually, the name was just Amon Ross St. Brown. He <laughs> yeah. is this year's Cooper Cup. Like, he really is, man. Like, th- that's what we're dealing with here.
0: Again, great game for Amon We did still see some of the other receivers flash a little bit. Josh Reynolds caught a touchdown. DJ Chark got really close to having a good yeah. one. So, they actually ran a cool trick play off of Flea Flicker. I don't want to call it a drop necessarily. Sometimes it's tough to tell if the cornerback got their hand in there at the last second or not. But 35 yards, the play was set up well. Drop, great defensive play. Whatever you want to call it. Would have been a long. cooler that was touchdown. another. And then he missed him on the deep
1: crosser. Yeah.
0: Bad before the half. Like you saw the middle linebacker trying to do his Tampa two thing, just get completely (laughs) lost there in the middle of the field. Unfortunately, Goff just couldn't put it on Chark. So Chark really could have had, you know, an extra 80 yards in the score, with just a little bit more luck there. Also Carson Wentz, Antonio Gibson, as we transitioned over to Washington, got stuff, just short of the goal line on another one of those drives. But Carson Wentz really was the tale of two halves for him. First half couldn't get anything going. We were getting, you know, same old Wentz tweets going out there and everything. But by the end of the game, man, 337 passing yards and three touchdowns to the air from 2016 to 2021. So Goff's, and I'm sorry, Wentz's entire Philadelphia Eagles career. And then what he did with the Colts, he had four games in that entire freaking five-year period, six-year period with 300 plus passing yards and three plus passing touchdowns. He's now done it in back-to-back weeks with Washington. These wide receivers are loaded everywhere, Dwayne and Hey, a guy that we were high on throughout the end of last throughout the off season, saying, use him with your last pick. One Curtis Samuel. He's getting the feature, the designed freaking touches in this, and that's the wild part to me because while I'll still take, you know, Terry McLaurin over Curtis in terms of who's the better football player, Jahan Dotson's your first-round pick. I mean, Curtis is the one getting designed stuff in the backfield. Curtis is the one getting matched up on a defensive end while he's running a wheel route getting the score. He got that, like, throwback wheel where he gets lost in the shuffle. And, oh, yeah, look, now there's no one within 30 yards of Curtis when he catches the ball. How many more games, Dwayne, if any – do we need to see before we're ranking Curtis ahead of Terry McLaurin?
1: Oh, man. Like, that's a tough one. But I, th- I feel like they've all got to be close, you know. I mean, I had Samuel inside my top 36 this week. So, and he and he came through again. I mean, they were a lot closer this week. You know, target share to Curtis Samuel, 20%. Terry McLaurin, 17%. I think it's one of these you know, situations where we're definitely going to look up and and McLaurin's going to have his day, man. He's going to have a 30 percenter and he's going to go off for 150 yards and two touchdowns with the way this offense is throwing the ball. Like they're going to be a pass heavy offense. You know, it could look really bad at times like it did in the first half and then it can look really good like it did last game. And then, you know, for the second half of this game and even and once had some spotty, you know, spots last week as well. But what it's showing me is like they're OK with it. Like, you know, Ron Rivera, normally kind of a stodgy old defensive, you know, coordinator kind of guy. He seems to be OK. He seems to be saying, look, this is what we're going to do. It's our identity. We're going to throw the ball. And it makes sense. I mean, you just said it like they've got the weapons everywhere. And even the guys that are in the backfield, really, that's what they're best at really is being receivers. So I think it's the situation where we're just going to have a pass heavy offense. All of these guys are going to come through. There's going to be there's going to be weeks where it's not Curtis Samuel right and there's going to be weeks where it's going to be Dotson there'll be weeks where it is Terry McLaurin so I think it's going to be tough for them to all be awesome you know all the time but right now like for where you drafted Terry McLaurin like you have to feel just elated he is the most sewn into the offense like 70% of the time lining up you know from the slot he gets that short passing stuff eight out of only 5.1 where the other guys are working more downfield so he can also be kind of that security blanket yeah I mean if you drafted him, man, like he's, he's easy in most formats, like you're easily putting him in your flex
0: running back usage pretty much as expected Gibson 56% snaps McKissick 46% because they were trailing. We did see McKissick end up getting the seven targets only four for Gibson. And once again, man, like McKissick's earning this. I mean, he had this nice blitz pickup in the first half, just completely uh, stymied that linebacker in the hole here in that spot. And this is unfortunately life with Antonio Gibson. When they get up, things look great. When they get down, he's going to be game flow dependent. And this is just until Brian Robinson comes back. It's going to get really gross at that
1: point. Yeah. This is just a reminder. Like last week we talked real quick quick like we said hey 56% route participation last week but they didn't face a lot of long down and distance like they stayed ahead like all the time this week they didn't it drops to 38% you see JD McKissick you know shoot up to 42% of the routes and it's all because of you know what you just mentioned the game script and just more long down and distance stuff that puts McKissick on the field a lot more
0: shout out to our YouTube gang gang from wrong speedy scary Terry over Bateman rest of season Dwayne who you got
1: uh I still have Terry McLaurin
0: Let's face it though that big I mean it- they're,
1: they're it's all close though man they're it's yeah. really close like it's really close it is very close between those two.
0: All right. Buccaneers, Saints. Always a wonky matchup here since Tom Brady has gotten into town. Buccaneers take him down though, 20 to 10, covering as a three-point favorite, the under cash is at 43 and a half. So Brady, just 190 yards and a touchdown. But don't let anyone tell you that, like all of a sudden, like father time is catching up to him. He looked fine out there. I mean, the amount of freaking balls that Scotty Miller, if he just wasn't five foot five, like could have actually caught out there that Brady put really in the, Again, a normal-sized human being's catch radius for him. Uh, It was wild to see. The touchdown to Brashad Perryman back across the field right into a bucket was awesome. So, yeah, not the biggest day. But you know what? You take away Mike Evans for half the game. There's no Chris Godwin. There's no Julio Jones. Russell Gage hasn't really looked like the same guy we saw last year this entire season at this point. This is Brady without really anyone to throw to. It's what we saw at the end of his career in New England, and he should have guys to throw to. But, again, Julio. Godwin and Mike Evans literally all gone from this game by the end of the third quarter basically. Uh, Just wasn't much going there for So I'm not going to super overreact to Tom Brady as a fancy asset moving forward. With that said, Dwayne, I think we need to kind of curtail our expectations if these guys are going to keep missing time. So obviously Mike Evans was out because he decided to go back and do what he does best and that's get into a fight with Marshawn Lattimore. So uh, once they got ejected from that game, you know, second time in like five or six years uh, previously defending Jameis. But after that, again, this offense just really had a hard time moving the ball so overall level of concern if any for this Buccaneers passing game, Glenn.
1: yeah I think it's mostly tied to the injuries to your point you know so I think once they're healthy it's fine but like right now like I mean I had I I had Tom Brady as a fade this week but again mostly because there were everybody was dinged up I didn't know for sure who was going to be available um you know and I borderline thought about benching him for Wentz you know just because I had seen how pass heavy the commander's offense was Um, You know, I didn't, but I think you're kind of in that range now until we see him with the healthy weapons. He's not a must start, right? He's not just a lock every single week. Now, once he has these guys back, there's no way that I would have him on my bench, you know, once we know everybody's healthy.
0: Leonard Fournette, dominant 86% snap rate, despite, you know, having the hamstring issue coming in. 24 carries, four targets. Rashad White, just 14% of the snaps, two carries, and one target. Rashad White, still someone you need to keep on your bench. He is one of the most valuable handcuffs in fantasy football, especially with Giovanni Bernard suffering an ankle injury in this one. But, yeah, for now, Leonard Fournette, the only running back that you can even think about putting into a starting lineup. Also, note from uh, Jay Glazer before the game, as we move on to the New Orleans Saints, Jameis Winston has four fractures in his back. The man's going to play through it. And Alvin Kamara has the fractured rib cartridge that has kept him out of this one. So keeping in mind that Jameis has the broken back, as Mike Tyson would say, you know, spinal, broken back, it was a terrible performance. This was vintage Jameis out here, Dwayne. I mean, some of the fourth quarter picks we had going there, taking six sacks, it was not pretty. And oh my goodness, does Jameis love throwing deep to Chris Olave? So I think my first study, because again, these PFF stats are changing a little bit uh, throughout the game. I looked earlier and had him for 14 targets, and that had him around like 350 air yards. When he I It was looked, 365,
1: was like, and they took a target away.
0: <laughs> now he's at 320. Either way, yeah. man, like the think <laughs> I can't ever remember, it has happened a few times, Uh, I forget who the other examples were, but I can't remember being on this podcast with you, Dwayne, ever mentioning someone with an area total, starting with a three going to the game. Unfortunately for Alave, he only caught five of them for 80 yards. I wouldn't call these just like complete prayer, no chance, you know, passes though. Like he was loose for a potential 68 yarder. Jamel Dean fell down. It was just barely an overthrow. And then later he actually does catch this 51 yard pass, but ruled him not down yet and he made a football move by kind of keeping himself up and he ended up fumbling it so he didn't get the two points there so still five catches for 80 yards for Chris Alave I don't know though Dwayne we saw in week one how easily this passing game could go back towards Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry I think Alave is someone that you love seeing this you love seeing the air yards but it's going to be tough to really treat him as more I think than a boomer bust flex until we see one a little bit more consistency out of Jameis I'm not this could be a year-long thing that we're waiting for there. But two, like I'm just not completely convinced after one week that Alave is all of a sudden going to lap Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry in terms of total pass game opportunities.
1: Yeah, I don't think he's going to lap them, but you should, I feel much better about him. I mean, he's been out there for over, over an 80% route participation both of the weeks. This week, he was second to Michael Thomas. He was ahead of Jarvis Landry. Um, you know, they they do some weird things where whenever they're in certain personnel groupings, they're still like letting Marquez Callaway get routes, Deontay Hardy. So that's kind of a pain in the butt. It's like kind of like the it's kind of like the, the Ty Johnson version, right, yeah. uh, for receivers having to deal with some of these other guys getting on the field. But it's like certain packages, right, when they're coming out in 12 and things like that. Um, but yeah, with Alave, I mean, still, though. 33% target share, um, two yards per route run, 62% of the air yards. You already mentioned how many. It was a huge number. I, I also do not remember a time. Uh, I, I don't remember a time seeing that a number that high. Like his, his dot was 24.6. So when you get 13 targets times to 24.6, like it really does work out. But, I'm bullish though, still though. I mean, to see a guy getting this many targets this early, he's already staying on the field pretty much all the time with the starters. I think he's definitely going to have his games. And I, I would prefer him over Jarvis Landry right now. I think it's Mike Thomas and Olave. That'd be the two that I would really want to be rolling with. Landry may still come back and have his games. I, I just prefer their upside because they can both work further down the field. Um, Malave can come through with the big play. Mike Thomas, we know, is really the favorite in the end zone. We've already seen that two weeks in a row, um, where like he's just the preferred dude. Like when they're down there, Jameis is going to Michael Thomas. Speaking of Michael Thomas caught
0: another touchdown three on the season, got it against his crypt tonight, Carlton Davis out there. And it was, you know, kind of just a laser and he got banged around there. So I'm not going to sit here and say a Thomas dominated Carlton or anything, but another week, man, with another big time performance. So I went back and actually looked. now, Michael Thomas has had 12 games without Jubilee since 2019. In those 12 games catching passes from Teddy Bridgewater, Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill guys that I don't think were necessarily given, you know, the most respect around the league for their ability to throw the ball. 7.8 catches, 92 yards, 0.5 touchdowns per game. You extrapolate that over 17, 132 catches, 1,565 yards, and nine touchdowns. Can't guard Mike, and the guy's been doing it on way more than just slants right now. So just hop on. Hopefully you got Michael Thomas in round five or six. Like, Dwayne, I was waiting, just maybe like one – I wanted one more data point on Michael Thomas because just we knew he was still coming back a little bit. I knew this was going to be a tough matchup. Are we back in top 12, top 15?
1: Are we there? Uh, I had him at top 16, I believe, this last week. He might have been 17. So yeah, I mean, he's just going to keep climbing. And I mean, I wrote about it over at Fantasy Life. Like, look, he's already moved into the mid range wide receiver twos. If he has another game like this, like he could be on his way into wide receiver one territory. So I think we're right there at it. Um, I don't think there's any ways not firmly in the top end of the wide receiver twos and it may come down to matchups right for right now deciding if he's a wide receiver one or not he's not quite where we got him on raw but i mean dude it's looking really really good a 23 percent target share this week you know we already saw him at almost a 30 percent last week and he he may not even be fully healthy yet like so and and you know he's still getting his groove with Jameis. so yeah i i like michael thomas a lot
0: Tony Jones Jr. ended up leading the uh, New Orleans Saints backfield. We didn't have Latavius Murray out there. Again, Kamara missed the game with a rib issue. Mark Ingram did lead the way with 10 rush attempts. Showed a little more juice than I was expecting early on. Did lose a fumble, though. And, yeah, I mean, 38% snaps without Alvin Kamara out there. I don't think Mark Ingram is someone that, like, okay, Dwayne, we're in the 14-team league with three flexes. There are going to be situations where, you know, if Kamara's out and you just need your 10 to 12 carries and targets, okay, I'm not saying you can't play Mark Ingram, but this isn't the backup running back that I think has the sort of upside where you need to keep on your roster. Guys like Rashad White and stuff need to be on a mil- million yeah. more rosters than Mark Ingram at this point. I would say just you know Baltimore and New Orleans. As long as Dobbins and Kamara are out, I'm fine just staying away.
1: Yeah, I would have been fine with Ingram if we saw him like it was last year, you know, but even then, like, just can he stay healthy, you know, at his age? But yeah, it was Tony Jones out there in the trailing script. Um, He had 50% of the long down and distance and 78% of the two minute offense. So he kind of played more of the Camara role and Ingram, you know, played the old Ingram role. He had 53% of the rushing attempts, but just not involved in the passing game.
0: New York Giants took down the Carolina Panthers 19 to 16, covering as a one-point dog. The under cash rather easily at 43 and a half. This is a pretty boring one, Dwayne. Uh, I went through, you know, I, I keep notes throughout the day. This wasn't one of the three games I, I was kind of really watching, hoping to uh, see every play. But you know, with the red zone on there, I like to think I see most of it. Yeah, my only notes was like nice 50-yard run, CMC. That was it. Baker <laughs> terrible. Daniel Jones terrible. Like once again, way too much Richie James for anyone's liking other than the James family. Yeah, Saquon ended up getting you know a volume-induced game that didn't completely kill you, but you're not exactly calling home about it. The only real notable thing was Christian McCaffrey getting those 102 rushing yards. The man has now gone 24 consecutive non-injured games with at least 100 yards and or scoring a touchdown. Only sheesh in this one was the Carolina defense actually. They had an easy pick six chance on Daniel Jones before the half. Just couldn't get it going. So In terms of the usage, Saquon, workhorse, Christian McCaffrey, workhorse, 86 and 93% snap rates for these guys i will not be surprised at all if those are the two highest single game marks of week two any thoughts on here dwayne we can make this a quick one
1: no those are both the every down backs. so one other player i would just mention is sterling shepherd um, we saw him kind of break in last week you know coming off the achilles you know we were like well cam Akers' achilles didn't look good well sterling Shepard and james robinson both have looked good after the achilles injury and and sterling shepherds was really late in the year but 91% route participation, 32% target share, uh, 44% of the air yards uh, with lining up all over the field, not just in the slot, obviously, right? If you're going to be out there, 91% of the routes, you're out there, you know, for pretty much every type of personnel that you're uh, running in the game. So Sterling Shepard is a guy I know we kind of dismissed, but now it's kind of like, well, um, they seem pretty intent I'm not really using a lot of these other guys that they're just rotating. Um, I know I think Tony did suffer a uh, resuffer another injury, but he wasn't really getting that getting used that much. He was only out there 38% of the snap. So Sterling Shepard, a guy I just to remember uh, David Sills was also out there, but we'll just kind of leave that one alone. Shepard. If I was messing with anyone else from the giants for like a wide receiver four type, especially once bye weeks get here, he might be able to give you a little something.
0: Kenny Galladay apparently cleaned out his locker after the game. That was a, a pretty funny tweet to see coming across the uh, old time. 3% of right.
1: snaps, dude.
0: Did we get? Yeah, I mean, that's it's ridiculous, but like I, I don't really blame them. Did, did you actually like see or hear Kadarius reaggravated something?
1: Yeah, I read something, um, but it wasn't like a big official tweet. Okay. Uh, I saw, I I saw they it.
0: were getting him involved early, so I would have been kind of surprised to see that snap rate if he didn't suffer something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was in response to something that I sent somebody, one of the fans were like, oh, Hey, Tony tweak something. So I haven't been able to research it since then.
0: I saw the most ridiculous giants uh, tweet from this week where it was like, he's been on the injury report an overwhelming amount of the weeks that he's even been in the league. And then like the games, he hasn't been on the injury report. He's like, come out there and usually gotten hurt guy just cannot stay healthy. Yeah. <sighs> I don't think you need 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 to keep Tony on teams. Dwayne, I would like to, yeah. but it's going to get to the point where it's going to be really tough here pretty soon if we're not already there.
1: Yeah, when in- injuries and bye week strike like you're going to be forced into these situations, but he's always a player that I would say you're 100% keeping on, you know, speed dial, right, for your waivers. Like you <laughs> he's a guy that like if you hear any positive news, like and you can find a way to get him on your roster, you will. Um, you know, and I would also say like if you if you've got a really running back heavy team for some reason and someone in your league cuts tony and let's say not talking about an eight team league not a 10 team league we're talking 12 team leagues here you know with deeper benches and you know you need some upside i still wouldn't be afraid to stash him but to your point i think we're getting to the spot for most leagues that the general you know folks are going to be playing in it's, it's not like you gotta it's not a must hold anymore on tony
0: it's like brandon ayuk last year like we know the top talents there and e- tony wasn't even we have a, we had a larger sample size of Brandon Ayuk, so chill out, 49ers fans, and Brandon Ayuk stands out there. But when we're getting now weeks of data points telling us that he's not involved in the offense and the difference, and it's also you know a run heavy offense, but it's also not nearly as efficient as the 49ers. Yeah, certainly not someone you absolutely positively you know need to keep on the roster at this point. Very sad uh, compared to the conversations we were having about the guy just a couple weeks ago. New England Patriots took down the Pittsburgh Steelers, 17 to 14. Brings us to our Sleeper of the Day, powered by Sleeper, my single favorite place to play redraft fantasy football. Love you guys over at Sleeper. Nelson Aguilar, Dwayne, not dropping babies, just catching touchdowns out here. In fact, caught all six of his targets, 110 yards in his score bea Beautiful, 44-yard touchdown. Absolutely mossed the dude trying to get back there in coverage. Nice enough ball from Mac Jones to give him a chance out there. So great stuff from Aguilar. Someone that just can't win. You know, he comes out as a rookie. He disappoints for Philly. His Super Bowl year, I mean, they were really using him as a yak monster. Okay, things go south. Then we got the meme. Then he goes to the Raiders. He was actually legitimately Derek Carr's number one receiver in 2020 and did a lot of good things. Got paid by New England and didn't do anything. New England but Aguilar has now done pretty damn good in back-to-back weeks and we heard all throughout training camp that he was the best player at Patriots training camp but if you get a Patriots report and it's not a fluff feet fluff piece about Ramondre Stevenson there's a good chance you're never going to hear about it you know out there in the Twitter streets so anything with Nelson Aguilar that we can get behind here Dwayne is he separating on terms of a route basis from Devontae Parker and Kendrick Bourne or is this just kind of you know broke clock is right twice a day type of thing?
1: Uh, yeah, Bourne's really the odd player out only 58% route participation. Aguilar did bump up to 75% right there with Devontae Parker at 73%. And then you've got Jacoby Myers at 83% at 83%. So they're kind of rotating, you know, all these guys. Myers also had a really nice week, um, 39% target share, um, at, I'm just at the point where it's like Jacoby Myers is the only player I'm interested in having in the passing game, you know, for the, for the Patriots, 13 targets, nine receptions, 95 yards. I know Aguilar came through with the six, you know, for 110 on the touchdown and it was a beautiful catch. Like that was, that was something I honestly didn't know. Aguilar had in his bag. So it was really cool to see. Um, But at the end of the day, I feel like the rest of this is just going to be something we're going to be like, Oh, we're never going to feel good about who we're starting. I think the only one, like I said, is Jacoby Myers where you're like, you know, consistently he should be part of the offense and even with him you know the upside is a bit capped
0: nine catches 95 yards on 13 targets today for Jacoby eating over the intermediate areas of the field since week one last year so the Mac Jones era and the offense hasn't changed that much they add Devontae Parker they lost Nikhil Harry but most of the guys that are getting targets last year are still the same guys we're expecting to this year and just total target leaders number one is Jacoby Myers with 149 number two is Hunter Henry with 82 targets Dwayne we're talking a 67 target difference between these guys. I mean, full PPR Jacoby, always one of those targets. Now, unfortunately we asked in the offseason, what if Jacoby Myers starts scoring touchdowns? Haven't gotten to that pipe dream just yet, but not a minimum, you know, full PPR. One of those wide receivers that I think consistently, it's going to be hard to have too far outside of that wide receiver three range, just because of this volume on his plate. Now, We did get an injury here at the end. Damon Harris suffered a leg injury. Not sure on the severity. Uh, He did go out there, have a nice game for himself. 71 yards and a score on 15 touches. Had another chance to get in the end zone earlier, but got stopped at the one yard line. Does give Ramondre Stevenson the chance to now take over? These victory laps are going to be uh, unsufferable, Dwayne, because the amount of injuries, the amount of retirements that I've had to go right for this to happen. And hey, you know, luck putting yourself in the right opportunity—that's fine. uh Let's just keep in mind kind of what has happened to get us here: the James White retirement, Ty Montgomery IR, now apparently Damon Harris being out of the picture, and we don't have to worry about JJ Taylor or Kevin Harris uh, for the time being. So, if Dwayne. We enter next week with the Stevenson RB one and only Pierre strong to really speak of elsewhere on this roster and Pierre strong playing through a shoulder injury. So I don't even think he's necessarily out there and being, yeah. you know, given the chance to do all that much. Like this is the point where Ramondre is going to be, you know, an upside RB two, probably as soon as next week. If Damon Harris is for sure out.
1: Yeah, he'll be a high end RB two. If, if Damian Harris is out, I mean, it's going to be hard to not have him in your top 12 you know yep. I mean, it's just going to at that point there's so many people hurt right but we probably wouldn't just because it still is the patriots and you never can for sure trust it you would have to make him more of a high end rb2 to your point um cuz I, I don't know i don't know just saying like any patriots back as an rb1 and ranking them that way like just kind of gives like chills down my spine you know of all the people that are going to be like with pitchforks coming after you later in the yeah. day hey, you idiot why did you believe you you're right like it is always a committee but the the positive thing for stevenson um even before that injury which was at the very end of the game um and Damian Harris did say he was fine after the game you know he was he was you know, interviewing with the reporters. Now, we'll see what that means. But the positive for Stevenson, 100% of the two-minute offense. So with having Ty Montgomery gone, he was much more involved. Now, he didn't get many targets. He only had a 3% target share on the day. But there will be better days ahead if he's going to get that. And he was almost at 60% of the long, down, and distance work as well. So it was really now only 32% of the rushing attempts. So it really was more of Damian Harris being the early down back, and mixing in a little bit on the passing downs, but really mostly Ramondre Stevenson taking all the passing down works, and then and then just getting a few carries, you know, sprinkled in. So I think that's what the roles could still look like. Which that 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 alone, you know, makes Ramondre Stevenson more of an upside, you know, RB three, you know, even if we're dealing with Damian Harris.
0: Mitch Trubisky, another. I mean, it's hard to say too many nice things when you average five point one yards per attempt. You hit a couple Mitch, of
1: those. Mitch Trubisky, hundred percent snap rate. Moving on. <laughs> there
0: we go. There we go. He did hit a couple of those uh old honey hole throws. I like to talk about. Dwayne George Pickens for 23 yards, and had a nice one. Deontay uh, close, but yeah, it, it was mostly bad out here until we get Kenny Pickett, if and when. And maybe it's not going to be uh, a matter of if this year, based on some of the reports that I think Jake Laser floated out about Pittsburgh really wanting to stick with Trubisky for his entire season. It's just going to be tough to get behind Claypool or George Pickens. What What the hell, man? Every single practice, like it was like the Brian Edwards like T.O. Randy Moss hybrid. That Was how george pickens was being made out to be that's how he looked with everything we saw but the guy's getting three targets like mitch said after last game that he wanted to get him more involved he said after this game he wants to get him more involved at this point though beyond deontay johnson i just think it's tough to trust anyone in this passing game chase claypool chase claypool zero carries a week after he was seemingly vying for the team rush lead out there so claypool pickens not all that interested at the moment but the target hog dwayne that just he's he's good at football and shame on me for even doubting him a little bit now I I had him ranked top 24 chill the hell out or I'm not gonna go to jail over this shit but Deontay Johnson 24 games Dwayne with 10 plus targets since 2020 only Devontae Adams who has 19 right now and Keenan Allen are even close to 20 at this point. So new quarterback, no problem. Same old Deontay Johnson, just demanding targets and really just looking impressive as hell out there. Had an amazing catch on the two point conversion. Like it's he's had to work for these freaking yards these last two weeks with some of the balls Mitch has given him. The question is though, for me, it's just going to be tough for Deontay to really elevate too high because we have the same quarterback problems facing guys like Brandon Cooks, like CeeDee Lamb, like Terry McLaurin, fellow, really, really talented wide receiver ones. Unfortunately, they're catching pass from someone that we're not that thrilled about.
1: Yeah, Deontay is one of the best receivers in the game. Like, I know we kind of debated that. Like and, and so for me, the number one thing you want from a receiver is the ability to get open or that a quarterback is willing to throw them the ball, right? They're demanding targets. And Deontay's one of the best at that, for sure. Like, is he the absolute best once you get the ball to him after the catch? Yeah, he's not on the same level as some of the the other guys. But as far as being able to get open um, and demand those targets, like, He's right there. And obviously, that shows like when you talk about, you know, the the games where he's had 10 targets or more, but um, hit 30% target share again today. And we're just, just we're so used to it. It's kind of like, okay, yawn, like <laughs> Deontay Johnson saw 30% of the targets again today. But it really is an amazing feat. Um, I do agree. Like, you've just got the situation with the quarterback. It looks like, you know, Terry McLaurin and those guys are going to kind of avoid it. Like, Wentz is playing well enough that it's going to be okay. Um, Mitch Trubisky's not. Mitch Trubisky right now is borderline, you know, like looking terrible. And that's a problem. Um, as far as Pickens goes, he's still out there. Um, but it's really turned into, you got Deont- you got Chase Claypool really playing in the slot, handling all the old juju stuff, a 4.8 ADOT. Right? So it's just all the underneath drags, all that kind of stuff. Deontay Johnson doing the same thing he was last year, hasn't really changed more of the intermediate. And he's doing this outside. Deontay doesn't get to play inside and get these 30% target shares. It's only in the slot 8% today. He's doing this against the best cornerbacks from the other team and where you can see more coverage. And then you have Pickens is really working down the field, a 28.7 A dot. So he's eventually going to pop a 34% air yards um, for the day, you know, out there, 95% route participation. You know, he's going to hit some of these big plays eventually. So he's a guy that I'm definitely keeping on my radar as far as DFS goes.
0: Definitely and dfs that's a great thing about dfs man oh this week went bad there's always next week there there's always next slate there man if you really want to get into well, and it, he's like, priced you know, so well like i think
1: this week he was 3700 3600 yeah. on on DraftKings. so he'll probably stay there but like this shows like he could easily have a week where you know it's one of those guys that you'll look up and you'll be like oh three catches for 80 yards and two touchdowns like that that's the kind of week you're gonna get from george pickens here you know at some point in the next month
0: Speaking of guys that just haven't been able to quite meet some of that wild, some might say irresponsible preseason hype, Matt Ryan, Reggie Wayne was throwing up Dwayne because he reminded him so much of Peyton Manning and he's now 0-1-1 facing the Jaguars and the Texans to start the season. I know there has not been much help. I saw, I talked about the two drop touchdowns in week one, Pierce and Doolin. This week, you could argue another one. I mean, Mo Alley-Cox only had one foot down in the back of the end zone. He looks so big on the play, like just side. He's note. That was play. a tough
1: one, though. I don't put that one on Mo I saw that one, but it, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, I'm not necessarily putting
0: it on him. But like Matt Ryan put the ball in Mo Alex Cox's hands yeah, in the yeah. back of the end so it was a good throw by Matt Ryan. But yeah, weren't too many of those. 195 yards, not one, not two, three picks on the day. Last time I checked, he had actually an NFL high now six turnover-worthy plays. Uh, can we get an apology letter from Colts brass? I mean, my God, man, just the amount of slander this entire offseason. season and. It's tough to, you know, say all that and then have this be what exactly happens to start the year. So Whatever, we're talking about the Colts. But at a minimum, just like with Tom Brady and just like any other quarterback who Dak Prescott, you take away all the really good receivers, guess what? It's going to be a lot harder to throw the football. So in this one, no Michael Pittman with the quad, no Alec Pierce with the concussion. And what did that mean? Big game for Paris Campbell. Nope, he didn't have a target until like halfway through the fourth quarter Ended up being the Ashton Doolin show, if you want to call it that. Five catches, 79 yards on the team, high seven targets. The biggest problem, man, was just the inability to get they're good players to football. Jonathan Taylor had only 10 combined carries and targets. That's his fewest in a game since week 10 in 2020. And then also Naeem Hines, Frank Reich. You told us the draft to draft a dude. You said, if, you know, fantasy footballers, go get him. What do you do? You gave him five touches in a game that you lost 24 to nothing. If this is not the game that Naeem Hines catches 10, 12 passes in, when's that going to happen, Dwayne? I don't know if ever at the end of the day, just 31% snaps for Naeem Hines, 73% for Jonathan Taylor obviously Taylor's fine. And when Michael Pittman's back in there, we're throwing him in the lineup. Otherwise Dwayne, I'm that cutting Hines Cause I still think he has great handcuff value. If something happens to Taylor, but do you want to play anyone else on this offense or even think about playing anyone else on this offense?
1: Yeah. I mean, he's still similar to McKissick, but he has the upside of, of being a cuff. Like you're just not, you're not, crazy about it but i mean five targets four receptions 37 yards but yeah it's it's not like what frank reich said like and he started off hot in this game like he was looking good and oh, the slot know, he was getting yeah. the dwayne finally <laughs> yeah it's like yeah 2.64 yards per route run man like the dude was looking yeah. really good targets per route run for naheem hines 36 percent. he's freaking he's an elite back as far as you know working as a receiver like the dude could get so much more but the problem is how do you take Jonathan Taylor off the field? He was still out there 74% of the, the snaps. So that's the problem for Naheem Hines. Like even in these games now, to your point, like where they're trailing, like he's not getting everything. Long down a distance, 83% of that still went to Jonathan Taylor. Now he did get 100% of the two-minute offense, um, but despite all the time that the Colts were trailing, they only used the two-minute offense for five snaps. What the hell? Well, i don't understand like hey we're losing let's keep going really slow i i, you know, I don't know I, I don't know what's going on with their play calling um i'm with you naheem Hines is not a guy that you're trying to force into your lineups when bye weeks get here like you might use him you know as a flex but i do still think that he is the contingent upside play with jonathan taylor absolutely gross performance and i
0: think it was uh know he said this on twitter maybe might have been Nate Tice. And if it wasn't, I apologize. I'm trying to compliment whoever said this. So I'm not, you know, I'm not shitting on someone. I don't remember, but they were saying like a lot of times you see a score like this and it was fluky. Not really. Colts got their ass beat on the line of scrimmage, both sides of the football. Like this was a dominant performance from Jacksonville, from the first snap to the last snap. And it's now been something like six years since the Colts have won in Jacksonville, which is pretty hilarious to everyone except Colts fans. So sorry guys. My
1: Jaguars know. defense came through in DFS today, Ian. <laughs>
0: that's a that's a great day to be great there to were right so many there.
1: people going off today you had to have the defense <laughs> like, oh my god like there were so many people going nuts
0: this is one of those days where like everyone was you know just a couple of plays away from you know winning the millie because yeah look at all the freaking points being scored yeah. but hey trevor lawrence pretty damn good game i was not impressed at all with what he put on the field in week one but hey guess what he's learning a new offense he's still just in the second year maybe just maybe the most heralded prospect since andrew luck can still turn out to be pretty damn good but yeah 25 for 30 235 yards per of touchdowns, continuing to show all sorts of chemistry with Christian Kirk out here. Only six targets to Kirk, which surprised me, but caught all six, 78 yards and a pair of touchdowns. And on the season now, man, 2.79 yards per out run for Christian Kirk. That is, you know, beyond elite. That's like top five in the league potential if he carries it across the entire season. 7.1 yards after catch per reception with a 10.8 yard average target depth though, Dwayne. That's what's interesting. We see Kirk getting these, you know, just little chances to run option routes against linebacker. From the slot, and yeah, he's way too quick for them. He torches him. But then a couple plays later, you actually see him racking up air yards, getting chances to win downfield. So a contract that everyone laughed at when it happened, and seemingly the entire NFL did as well with the way you know the other wide receivers just weren't quite able to get that equivalent money based on the player. But at this point, man, Christian Kirk is someone where I feel like we're on the Monra trajectory. Like, okay, we've seen it now back-to-back weeks. I'm not putting him top 12 yet, but Christian Kirk will be in my top 24 wide receivers this week. You could have argued he should have been in there last week. Definitely someone in full PPR that I don't want to call it a must start. I've seen some of you guys out there with your 14 leagues and you know five top 12 <laughs> wide receivers. But Christian Kirk is getting uh, to the point where he is awfully close to a weekly must start.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Kirk looks great. Um like you mentioned all the stuff that I would have hit on honestly for him, but I I think he's definitely in the top 24 moving forward. One other name I'll mention, you know, on the receiving side is Evan Ingram. You know, quick quick uh hat tip to him. 85% route participation. Last week he was at 80%, so that's two weeks in a row. That's so I know it's we still are, are kind of you know we don't have a ton of data but everything we have for evan ingram looks really good i know he's a guy Ian that you talked about a lot this offseason of why are we just not paying any attention to him 27 percent target share today eight targets seven receptions 46 yards for evan ingram so he's definitely in play as a guy we should be thinking about as a high-end tight end two moving forward and he might change our minds to where we move him into that low-end tight end one even though they're really the same thing it just depends on who catches a touchdown but who knows you may look up and we may be moving we might be ranking evan ingram as like our tight end 11 tight end 12 moving forward. He has looked really good from a utilization perspective for two weeks in a row and got it done on the targets today. Fun note on the side. The Jaguars designed
0: a couple plays per game for Jamal Agnew, who made some good use out of his opportunities last year, uh, most notably overtook LaVisca Chenault uh, in the offense when Urban was still doing urban things. But man, Trevor threw a beautiful, like 30, 40 yard pass to him that just went right between his hands. So could have been an even bigger game for Trevor Lawrence, potentially getting that third touchdown. But again, back to back week where Trevor Lawrence is throwing touchdowns. He's clearing 200 yards with ease. Like these were not things we could take for granted last year. Very good for the entire offense, and particularly Christian Kirk, and to Dwayne's point, maybe just maybe Evan Ingram moving forward. Dwayne, do we care that much about Zay Jones? I got a lot of people asking me about him last week. Like, I get it. He's a full-time receiver in this offense, and Week One he had a bunch of targets to his name. But I'm still awfully hesitant about anyone other than Christian Kirk being a consistent uh, big-time player in this offense. Zay Jones, yeah. someone that you want to you need to flex a time or two, okay. But I'd be shocked if we're at any point this year ranking Zay inside the top thirty-six, even.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be tough. You know, he he's a guy that if you're playing in a deeper format yeah absolutely you know say you got to start multiple flex players you know i know there's a league or two that we're in together ian Where like you look at zay jones you'd be like damn zay jones is a badass It'd be you great know? to have yeah <laughs> <laughs> but in your typical leagues yeah you're just not it's not really a guy to even and not really you know he's not a guy i would be worrying about you know so um the big question here ian is man what are we doing <laughs> what are we doing about travis etn 37 percent of the snaps 45% route participation, not bad. Again, though, another week, he didn't even get to 30% of the rushing attempts again, 66% to James Robinson. Now, he did get the passing down work, 71% of the long down and distance. They did not need the two-minute offense today because they were kicking ass all day. But, man, like, now it's kind of like, I'm getting to the point where it's like, okay, we really need these game scripts to be like what we thought they were going to be, which is the Jaguars trailing. The Jaguars are being far more competitive than we thought they were going to be, you know, either staying close in games, right? Or this week they were staying ahead, you know, pretty much the whole time. And that's problematic for Travis Etienne because it's pretty clear to me, James Robinson, if they're leading, he's going to be the dude out there. Also 83% of the short down and distance were for Robinson. And man, Ian, he looks good. Like I know we were kind of like, you know, late Achilles. And I think the process was still right. I know our my wife's leaving me, your fiance's leaving you <laughs> because of the process. We say the process, was right, the process and we was
0: right. Yeah.
1: But I mean, you know, 22 carry 64 yards and a rushing touchdown, man. It's like, uh wow. I I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I'm I, Travis Etienne's definitely not an RB2 conversation. Like he's down in the RB3s now. Oh
0: yeah. I think I had him RB33 last week or so. I will yeah, say somewhere around there too. Last week it was 50 50. I mean, this is worst case game script, but to your point, yes. if they're going to keep having. More positive game script than we anticipated because that was part of the equation we were hoping for. Basically, what happened to DeAndre Swift last season? That's the name we kept bringing up. But the Jaguars are going to be more competitive. Clearly, that's going to hurt uh, ETN's chances of breaking out. I will say though, similar to the Cam Akers discussion, we'll get to him in a bit. It sucks that you drafted ETN round three or round four, and he's someone that you really can't like cement as a starter now. Each and every week, you know, depending on your league and lineup and all that. Don't go crazy. It's still a two-running back backfield and a full PPR. ETN should have bigger and better days. But Robinson does look good. I would love to sit here and be the guy that's like, oh, Robinson, he's just you know got lucky these two weeks. ETN's going to be fine because Dwayne and I said he was going to be fine two months ago. No, James Robinson looks very good out there. And I'm not even going to do that bullshit, take away his 35-yard touchdown. He only had X amount of yards on Y amount of carries. He has 64 rushing yards in week two, James Robinson, 65 of them. After contact, so like no, this is not this offensive line that's just you know pile driving everyone to oblivion. James Robinson just running through massive creases. James Robinson looks back, man, and he's the only Achilles running back that looks back. But he's back seemingly, and we need to adjust accordingly. So we know that with ETN join how high are you willing to go up there on James Robinson though? Because his upside is also capped a bit with the potential for negative game script, and ETN on the targets, obviously.
1: Uh, they're both RB threes to me and they're and they their game script dependent RB threes, right? James Robinson in a game where the Jaguars are leading, he can come into the RB two conversation. If we get into a game where the Jaguars are trailing the whole time, I think it's to be Travis Etienne entering the RB two conversation. Um, the challenge is figuring out which game script is it going to be because the Jaguars do look quite a bit better. I don't know if they're really this much better than they were last year. Um, but you know, we get turnaround stories, you know, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is a guy we talked about being able to potentially take a big step forward. You know, the rookie season wasn't good, but like you mentioned a guy that, you know, is very heralded, like coming into the league. So I think it's just going to depend on the game script and there, it's probably going to be maddening no matter which back you you're rostering when you're trying to get them into the lineup, you're probably going to get the wrong game script is going to be the challenge. Uh, and to your point, like the way why it worked so well last year for the lions is every game they were trailing the whole time. And so it just made it easy for DeAndre Swift, um, you know, managers. Game of the week. The Dolphins took
0: down the Ravens 42 to 38 to a season going absolutely nuts. What does apparently, Dwayne? I would have thought that 469 yards and six touchdowns was enough for people to be like, okay. I, I guess this Tua guy is pretty good here. No, people are still trying to come out and be like, oh, the underthrows to Tyreek deep. Okay, the first one, maybe a little bit, but Tyreek's so fast, it doesn't matter. So that's kind of a moot point anyway. What more do you want on that second touchdown? Like if that's not in stride, like what exactly is a deep, what, what do we need here? Like, can We we just need Tyreek to be like that. We need the GPS like tracking stuff like to just show us that he didn't slow down even like 0.01 miles per hour for this at this point. Like the throw to Mike to in the back of the end zone was absolute nails. Like, it was an incredible game from Tua and the whole arm strength thing from the beginning. Like how many times are, yeah, it's awesome when Herbert and these guys are able to off balance, you know, throw a laser 40 yards across the field. But yeah, there's like five guys in the league that can probably do that. I don't think that's necessarily going to be holding uh, Tua back. And it obviously didn't today. Now, incredibly banged up Ravens defense and those touchdowns that he did throw deep to Tyreek. Like I have no idea how he was able to get that cleanly behind the secondary. The second one in particular just seemed to be an egregious blown coverage. First one was I think Marcus Peters just doing Marcus Peters things, but that's kind of the experience the Ravens have chosen to live with. But at the end of the day, man, Tyreek, 11 catches, 190 yards, two touchdowns. Haven't even mentioned Jalen Waddle looking unstoppable in the short intermediate areas of the field, 11 catches, 171 yards, and a pair of touchdowns uh, himself. The first pair of teammates in NFL history with 10 plus catches, 150 plus receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns in the same game. If we're now, this was a game where the dolphins, they got up. I mean, they were, they were down. I mean, this was 28 to seven, you know, by halftime. So obviously they had to keep their foot on the gas throwing, but, but, We'll get to the backfield in a second. If there was going to be a team that's not exactly going to, you know, decide to run the ball a bunch more, even in a more positive game script for them, I do think it would be one really leaning on Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert in the backfield. So, Dwayne, I think you've been saying throughout the offseason, good call by you, my friend. You know, it's going to be 50% targets for Tyreek and Waddle. You know, Michael up and down any given week, but these guys should get theirs. I doubted the ability for Tua to get these two top 12, even two top 24 wide receivers, but, uh, damn it, Dwayne, they're here. It's great. It's fun. They're (laughs) fast. And, uh, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill. I'm not sure if it's these guys are that damn good or they're all just really good, but either way, man, what a performance from this Dolphins passing game.
1: Perfect scheme fit, man. So much efficiency. 65% of the targets today split between these two dudes, 39% to Jalen Waddle, 27% to Tyreek Hill. Yeah, you're fine. I I go back, you know, and it's just like kind of a soapbox for a second, right? But sometimes we just get so caught up in these things of, oh, what do we think Mike McDaniels is going to do? Oh, they're going to be run heavy. They're not. They're this. Like, when you have a player that was as good as Jalen Waddle was as a rookie, we just should have never backed off Ian. Like, we had him. We had him sitting there, even as it was falling. Like, we made an adjustment when Tyreek Hill. So, Jalen Waddle was really a mid-second-round fantasy, you know, asset for redraft this year before Tyreek Hill signed. Tyree kill comes out or Tyree Hill gets traded there. And then all of a sudden we got Jalen Waddle falling into the fourth and fifth rounds of drafts. It was just too much of an overreaction. Like as much as we love to like try to project all these things and think we know how an offense is going to work. I remember as it was happening, being like Jalen Waddle sliding too far, like his talent profile is too good for this. So we have to remember this next year. I know we're always trying to figure out what are the lessons that we learn from. I don't care what ADP does. If there's a player, it's a rookie this year, say it's Garrett Wilson that does this. And then all of a sudden they get a new coach or whatever. I, I don't care. I don't care. Like if they are a complete badass as a rookie, I'm going to be in on them the next year, right? I'm not going to let people push push him down the board. I'm just going to make sure if that happens, I'm just going to draft him in every damn draft. Like that's just the way I'm going to handle a player like that. Because Waddle, it wasn't just oh he was kind of good as a rookie. Like everything we were looking at, we were like yeah the A dot was a little low, but that's the way they used you know him in the offense. We knew he had this explosive playmaking ability because we had seen it at, at, at Alabama, right? And so I think we kind of got pushed around a little bit on ADP with with uh, Jalen Waddle and kind of, you know, over time, it just slowly happens, right? You start forgetting. You're like, oh, yeah, well, there's Jalen Waddle. I'm not going to take him at the end of the fourth round. Like, that was my bad.
0: Again, I'm guessing, Dwayne, you had him as a top 20, worst case, top 24 receiver. So it's this wasn't like a full fade on Jalen Waddle, but obviously we wish we could have had a little more exposure to him. I think think that's what
1: you're saying. Yeah. And it's was just, it's, it's a little bit too much of an overreaction just for how good he was as a rookie. You just don't see rookies do what Jalen, model did. And when you do see it, it usually means they're just really one of the best receivers in the league. And I think that's just what we're seeing play out.
0: Now the running back situation, chase Edmonds borderline erotic utilization in week one, someone that we were saying just had the utilization that we were looking for, for Austin Eckler. It's a fact. You go back and look at just what he did against the Patriots. no, the yards weren't there and that is something that you know maybe we need to put a little bit more behind when someone is and i think i saw uh josh norris point this out per next gen stats i want to say Edmonds was the least efficient rusher in week one in terms of rushing yards above expectation maybe could have put a little more stock behind that trying to you know be perfect in the process regardless raheem mostert 57 snaps this week Edmonds had just 49 percent most 14 combined combined rush attempts and targets Edmonds had just seven so we saw the explosiveness, man. Like Edmonds had a 28-yard run at the end of the game to basically help them uh, end up getting that victory. But yes, at this point, it's going to be tough to play either of these guys for the time being because it seems like it's going to be going back and forth during any given week. So God forbid something happens to Mostert. I'm happy to get Edmonds back up into that RB2 tier. I still believe he's an explosive pass-catching running back. But time being, man, going to have to nuke him You know, back into really the deep low end RB three range. I'm, I'm going to be answering the majority of Star sick questions involving chase Edmonds with the other guy after unfortunately answering a lot of them this week with chase Edmonds. So apologies, everyone, as Dwayne said, we, you know, started the show. This is week two. We now know absolutely nothing. We thought we knew something before now we know nothing, but we're getting back on the horse train. We're trying to learn more again. So riding with the punches here. Chase Edmonds,
1: and, and, and this one, I just, we just can't beat ourselves up too much. Right. Like this one, I don't mind. Like Do the I, I'm going to
0: have, I'm going to have a black eye by the time we get back on this pod tomorrow, just from beating the shit out of myself. That's what's
1: happening. <laughs> the, the, the waddle one. Like bothers me the, the way we ended up where we ended up right. In our process, the Edmonds thing, not so much. Like they went after him really hard early on in, in the free agency profit process. They signed him like he actually has a good efficiency profile historically. So I wasn't going to overreact either to week one, you know, uh, efficiency stats are really wild from week to week. Your utilization stats are actually much more stable. Now it doesn't mean they're perfect. Like as we saw, like some of these situations changed, but I think what's happening, um, What we probably, if we underestimated anything, and again, like this is still tricky, is just the whole hot hand approach of like this style of coach, right? This coach that comes from that really Shanahan background, we've seen them do this. At the end of the day, they still ended up at almost a split. Um, But I think what we're seeing now, Raheem Mostert, 61% of the rushing attempts, 28% to Chase Edmonds. But Chase Edmonds was really the primary passing down back, 75% of the long down a distance. 100% 100% of the two-minute offense. So, again, seeing guys maybe settling into these roles, it's almost like Chase Edmonds and Travis Etienne, right, are really similar, and Raheem Mostert is really more along the James Robinson uh, path. Again, a third data point will be really nice on this. This is one, right? I'm I'm more sure of the Jaguars and what they're trying to do. We've seen it two weeks in a row. This one, I'm not so sure. It's not just the hot hand, you know. It's just like, okay, this is the way we're going this week, and it could just really be maddening. To your point, so. I do think they're both RB3s. Um, You know, Edmonds does get the outs due to the passing down work, so I still would prefer him in a PPR, but if you're playing in a standard at this point, I would prefer Mostert.
0: Yeah, and I mean, this should have been a game that was perfect for Edmonds. I I remember hyping him up as a DFS play, pointing out the fact that Dolphins were four-point underdogs. Like, this should have been the... This is perfect game script. It just didn't work out because, you know, T was throwing the ball to Tyreek and Waddle and I can't really blame him uh, for doing so given the uh, success that they had going
1: on. There were a couple of passes that he missed Edmonds on one where he had pressure straight in his face that there was a kind of, I mean, Edmonds was just wide open, not quite in the flat, but like just to the left of the left tackle. Like he had a ton of room. That was probably going to be a 20, 30 yard gainer. Ah. Um, So, I mean, there were some little things, you know, that just didn't quite go right, you know, for Edmonds. But at the end of the day, to your point, like, that counted as a target, and he only ended up with you know two targets on the game. You know yeah, he had one reception for eight yards, so it's not like the target share was really there.
0: Some injuries, real quick. Tyreek briefly left the game with cramps, came back in, scored a bunch of touchdowns. Cedric Wilson did suffer a rib injury. Hunter Long, the Dolphins' uh, one of their inline tight ends, was out this week with an ankle. Long was out with the ankle. Adam Shaheen got put in IR a bit ago, and, like, Jasicki is still having trouble getting out there full-time. What were Jasicki's route rates, though, Dwayne? Because, I mean...
1: 4%. 64%. 64? 64%, yeah. And then only a, a 8% target share. He's still dead. Yeah. Like you he just it's dude, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waller are so good. Like yeah. that that's all this comes down to. Like they're so good and they're perfect for the scheme. All he's, the play action stuff that we've seen from the 49ers over the years with Debo and all these different guys, they have two of them. They have two of these guys and they're using them interchangeably. It's not like one's going deep and the other's not. They're A dot for Waddle Day ten point two. Tyree kill ten point seven. Last week we saw the same thing. Their A dots were the same. Like sure. they're both doing all of it and the defenses don't know what to do. They can't they can't stop both of them. And, dude, you cannot, like, going man-to-man coverage on these dudes, like, no, it's a sin. You can't, like, you can't do it. Like, you cannot run with them on these drags and crossers, and then one of them's, you know, uh, you know running a streak down the field, like a go-route. It's just, it's a lot to handle, man. It's a lot.
0: Dude, you know, on the first touchdown, the waddle. They had they just throw a little screen to waddle, but they put Tyreek in the backfield and they like they send Tyreek to the complete other side of the field, like on a sweep look. And of course, the defense takes a just one step that way because it's Tyreek freaking Hill running full speed, and then it, this waddle gets a chance to walk into the end zone. So really, was two had
1: double stacks today? Oh my god!
0: <laughs> my god! So that, and, I wonder.
1: I wonder if that's the that's got to be the highest score of any three players and together from the same team in DFS history. It has to be. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Two through six touchdowns. Those two guys, you already talked about like what they did. Like, we've never even seen it. That has to be the record for the most points from three teammates in DFS ever.
0: And shout out to Mike Gasecki on the gritty attempt after the touchdown. Uh, Dwayne, I think you could have done a better gritty than Mike out there. Did you I might-
1: <laughs> that one person's tweet, it said, it, he retweeted, you know, Mike Gasecki doing it. And it said, me in my room after every time after <laughs> Justin Jefferson <laughs> scores a touchdown. <laughs>
0: It was just so fast. That's what it looked like. it was, it was Too fast. It was so you so gotta sad. slow it down. <laughs> oh my gosh! Every time I see my uh, like cousins, kids, and and stuff, these five or six year olds, I always ask them if they can like gritty, and then they just like drop what they're doing and they bust out like the best dance ever. Little kids. Yeah, Zoe's
1: got it too. Zoe knows she Zoe knows nothing about Justin Jefferson other than <laughs> now that I've told her like about him, and so she's watched his videos of it. But she already knew how to do it before she saw Justin Jefferson. God, kids. Are or Jamar awesome. Chase. Those are the two main ones.
0: Now with the Ravens, amazing performance by Lamar Jackson. Unfortunately, that's not going to get talked about uh, as much as it should here, but had to overcome some adversity on offense. No J.K. Dobbins again out with a knee injury after a full week of practices too. Like this is even when Dobbins is back, we're not gonna be able to trust him for at least a week or two until we see his usage back into you know just a good spot. Because for him to practice in full all week, still be listed as questionable, and then not come in, and now Dobbins comes out before the game and he's telling like I don't think you guys realize how severe the injury was, and it's like no bro, we we, we kind of did, but you're the one that said you're gonna be playing week one no matter what, and maybe got our hopes up a little bit but just get better jk it's september plenty of time to still uh do some better things but the backfield off limits for the time being again this was a game that the ravens were up 28-7 at halftime ken and drake had six carries mike davis had five carries justice hill had three carries splitting that backfield right down the middle 33 snap rate was the highest here like that is just absolutely disgusting Who was RB one? He was also QB one. Lamar Jackson, seventy nine yard house call. I don't like. I just need a freaking four minute montage going back to even Louisville days of Lamar Jackson just taking those inverted beers straight through the heart of the defense, man. It was his uh, it was his Heisman play against Florida State. It was his MVP play against the Bengals. Like Houdini, you know, getting that awesome call out there when he's spinning away from the guys. So just so electric out there, and just. A, a reminder sometimes as if we could ever forget that Lamar is usually the fastest uh, player on any field that he steps on but throwing the ball too man 21 for 29 318 yards three touchdowns got some help from his guys Rashad Bateman toasting Xavier Howard off the line of scrimmage before taking a slant 75 yards to the house also had Mark Andrews doing Mark Andrews things he did miss Mark Andrews on a potential touchdown uh later in the game would have had to be a pretty great throw but he did have a step on the guy luckily earlier I, I love when this happens so but Lamar hit Andrews it was originally ruled a touchdown but then he was ruled just short what they do they give it to a running back nope play action get the ball back to Mark Andrews get him the touchdown that he uh, wasn't able to get so the only negative and it's unfortunate that they only lost this game by 4 points Bro, 18-play drive, 10 minutes and 52 seconds, zero points. Mike Davis stuffed twice, then Lamar scores, but no, he was actually just short, and then they messed up the snap on fourth down. So that was really the only big problem with this offense. Uh, I would also know Zabin Howard did drop a pick six uh, to end the fourth quarter, so that was the only other missed opportunity. But just an incredible game from Lamar Jackson, on top of what he did last week, man. I mean, six passing touchdowns now through eight quarters of football he's still going to get slandered because people are just going to wake up and say mean things about Lamar Jackson. Cause that's just the world we live in Dwayne, but Hey, Josh Allen, he's a QB one, but if you want to rank Lamar QB two, man, you're not going to, you're not going to find any haters here.
1: No, man, he looked great. Um, dual threat. I mean, it's a guy, look, we, we love Lamar Jackson. We just, Kyler went around and a half later, you know, in drafts, J- Jalen hurts was going around later. And so it was just a matter of, well, we want a dual threat quarterback. Um, we will take whichever one, you know, drafters are going to leave the longest on the board. Now we did get some access to some Lamar. So thankfully, um, and you know, round five was still cheap. Too cheap for Lamar. I mean, and we had yeah. talked about that. So um, it did work out on some teams where we were still able to get in. But a lot of you folks did draft him, you know, even in round five, round four, and you're super excited about it now. Um, because to your point, like he is one of the true elite dual threat guys. Real quick on Rashad Bateman, man, like 25% target share. Uh, the route that he ran on that, you know, that first Ooh. play, that kind of slant, like where he just got that was on Xavier and Howard, you know, that. The Dolphins run more man than anybody because they have two, you know, cornerbacks that can run the man, you know, defense. So that that's not just any cornerback, you know. So Bateman's out there doing some really nice things for whatever reason. Like they still are not letting him get out there for ninety percent of the routes, seventy four percent. Like so, they're still rotating. Demarcus Robinson's out there for forty seven percent of the routes. Devin Duvernay is out there for fifty six percent of the routes. Like, so, come on, guys, just let this guy be at eighty five percent. Like just come on, like just you know, so I can check it off on my utilization thing, and <laughs> move along because I just want to start him every freaking week. um But yeah, look really good. Obviously the seven seven targets, four receptions, one hundred eight yards. You know, and the touchdown, uh, obviously the long touchdown. So it does look like it's starting to consolidate down to Andrews and Bateman. Even though we're gonna have to worry about Bateman not quite getting all the routes we want. Maybe it doesn't really have anything to them. Have anything to do with them not thinking he's good enough? Maybe there's a certain, it was mostly all coming in their 22 and in their 13 personnel. So those are their real heavy packages. So it's an, it's it's a situation where, you know, maybe they like Demarcus Robinson better as a a run blocker, right? But you're not going to always, you know, you may look up and you're like, oh, they're in a run defense. We're going to check to a pass. Demarcus Robinson's on the field. At the end of the day, it is, it takes a little bit away from Bateman, but. 32% 32% targets per route run helps make up for that. Isaiah Likely man, 63% targets per route run today. We saw him get targeted last week. Still not out there for enough routes. 32% route participation, but he's the next guy that they're kind of getting involved. And I don't think you're going to be able to predict it. You know, Ian, we're probably going to see a big play from either either Devin Duvernay or Isaiah Likely as like kind of the third contributor to the passing game, but I think it's really consolidating nicely around Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman. So I'm just not going to sweat the route participation too much on Bateman just because of how, how good he looked today.
0: And the Ravens are a team that get a little wonky with that. Like that was why we were off Mark, yeah. An- Mark Andrews for a bit starting off because he wouldn't have that kind of every down roll, but they would get him on the field when they wanted mm-hmm. to throw him the ball. So
1: very good would- point.
0: Would note that James Proche missed this one, and Devin Duvernay suffered a concussion later. Uh, Shout-out for him returning the opening kickoff to the house. He's been having you know, three touchdowns first two weeks, doing some great things. Had a couple uh round 18 darts on him earlier in the offseason, so that's, uh, that's good to see over there in best ball land. But, yeah, Bateman, max speed, 21.48 miles per hour on that touchdown, second-fastest time by any player this season per next-gen stats. Before we move on to the afternoon games, I want to give a quick shout out to some sponsors. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings. Stepped up, same game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. With payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? And to make things even sweeter, you can throw down stepped up, same game parlays once per game day all season long. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF and get $200 of free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code PFF only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Note that minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply and see show notes for details. New sponsor here, No House Advantage. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Playing pick them contests versus other people for the shot at winning 250K plus in cash. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every day. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks, but on up to five player prop over unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including the NFL. NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, love it, guys, and NASCAR. Sign up now with promo code FANTASYPFF at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the App stores to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out the No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. Rams, Falcons. Rams 31, Falcons 27. Another game that was getting feisty there down the end after it looked like the Rams were just going to r- run away with things early. But this is the one that uh, that hurts Dwayne. We had a couple people not quite have the utilization that we were expecting them to have. Uh, we're going to get to Houston here in a bit. But Daryl Henderson, week one. Only Saquon Barkley played more snaps. No running back had a higher route participation rate than Daryl Henderson. The only reason why Daryl Henderson wasn't a top 12 back last week was because we knew it was only one data point. And it's a good thing we listened to that, Dwayne, because lo and behold, Cam Akers, 15 carries, three targets. Henderson had just 10 carries, no targets. Henderson did actually have the overall snap lead, 56% to 44%. But this is a mess. And if anything, man... I think Sean McVay in the long run would probably prefer Cam Akers to be that guy. That's more just what we've seen from this. Maybe it is still going to go back to Henderson. Henderson was better than Akers out there just in terms of, you know, yards per carry and just I think the eye test as well. But if, if it's not going to be Henderson full-time after week one, man, I don't know why he's going back to Akers like this unless he wants Akers to be this involved if not more involved throughout the season.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of torn. Like maybe like, like like there's just so many layers. There's just so many layers to this, you know, and we talked about this briefly last week. The fact that Cam Akers was really coming into that game. Also, he had been banged up, right? I mean, we, we hadn't seen Cam Akers all preseason, so that could have been a factor. He was coming back. You know, it may have been a conditioning thing. You heard, you know, McVay talking about how he needed to have more urgency, all these sort of things. So looking at it today, like the utilization basically says 60% of the attempts to cam Akers, 40% to Daryl Henderson, but Henderson taking all of the two minute offense, 100%, as well as all of the long down and distance work. So, Another backfill where I think we could end up seeing and again, just one data point, but it wouldn't surprise me. We've seen this backfield actually kind of look like that before. We've, we've not really had these two backs together, to be honest, that often over the last two years. So it's hard to really say exactly what it's going to look like, but based on this data point, like it might really be Henderson more as the passing down back getting 30, 40% of the rushing attempts cam Akers really going to be the lead back as far as you know taking the rushing attempts Um, both could end up having value because the rams offense still has a chance to be really good right and they have a chance to be in a lot of different kind of shootouts things like that so we'll see what happens but right now like going into next week like off the cuff like i think they're both rb3s kind of similar to some of these other guys we talked about but if i had to pick between the two I would still slightly lean to Henderson just because of the passing down role, Um, you know, and I just, you know, in PPR. So maybe in standard, I would probably lean slightly to Cam Akers, but I, I wouldn't have a lot of conviction around either one. So like if I was, you know, Girl Scout Saunters to the door and like, I would be like, no, go away. I'm not choosing between either of these because I don't want my life to end um, because I don't have enough confidence.
0: But she insists, and then you have to say Daryl <laughs> Henderson. Say, yeah. there. Also, uh, sorry, Graham, mentioning it's getting scary. He's got to take his cat to the basement because my lights started flickering in and out. Just uh, just some good old Cincinnati apartment electric wiring we got going on here. But, <laughs> the, the, hey, guys, the lights go out sometimes when we're discussing certain fantasy players. So, clearly, the fantasy football gods, maybe are trying to tell us something here, could be a pain all season long, just like these lights sometimes, but that's okay. Elsewhere on the Rams offense, Cooper Cup. Dude, he didn't even have a catch until like two minutes left in the first half. Finishes up, 11 catches, 108 yards, and two touchdowns. Last year, for the season, 145 catches, 1,947 yards, 16 touchdowns. His pace after two games for this year, 204 catches, 2,006 yards, 26 touchdowns. It's just amazing, man. Like, I, I know we, a lot of us got out there. Dwayne, I think you were one of them. You know, Justin Jefferson, wide receiver one. Look at this last week. Bro, it's still 1A, 1B at a minimum. I, just J- Justin Jefferson could absolutely outscore Cooper Cup this year. But, man, 1A, 1B with these two. If anything, man, looking back, like these could have just had these wide receivers. Not, as not even 1A, 1B. It,
1: it, it's just 1A, 1A. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> like, they're
0: there both we go.
1: great, man. Uh, you know, my main thing on Twitter is just people being like, you can't rank him as number one. I'm like, okay, dude, like Justin Jefferson really is <laughs> good. Like you can rank him as number one. They're both awesome. Like they're yeah. both great players.
0: Elsewhere on the Rams. Allen Robinson looked like he was going to be in store for a big day. Caught an early touchdown, was looking good out there. Only finished up with five targets though, caught four of them, 53 yards in a score. He should have had a second touchdown. Like no one heard the whistle blowing the play dead, but they basically had their independent spotter, saw AJ Terrell kind of wobbling after a play. So Pretty good reason, like health. Yeah, let's not have an actively concussed guy out there trying to still play. But certainly, you know, not what Allen Robinson fantasy managers would like to see. But also note that Tyler Higby, big day, seven catches, 71 yards. Stafford, dude, he had this sidearm throw that if like Mahomes made it, everyone would still be uh, freaking out Mm -hmm. about it. But yeah, man, drop the short touchdown. Weird angle, fastball, it is what it is. Still a great game from Tyler Higby. Dwayne, I know you were uh, with me there on Higby basically being this week's premier uh, streamer target just because the every single utilization metric we look at with this guy in terms of the routes per uh targets per route run i should say just screams tight end one and yes last year we saw this a lot too and he was just more so being a distraction for cooper cup but we're now two weeks in the year and the guy's got what 19 20 targets so i understand that other tight ends are making a little bit more of uh, their targets but tyler higby man if he keeps getting eight to ten targets per week like we're talking about like dalton schultz in la
1: he that's what i was about to say he's looking like this year's dalton schultz that's and higby He's a tricky one because to your point, we saw the utilization last year. We saw it all. And it never really equated to anything. But this year it looks like it really is. And he does look like he's the number two target on the team behind Cooper Cup. Allen Robinson at this point looks like the number three. Well, I'd be surprised to see Higby and Robinson like kind of, you know, flip-flop back and forth. No, like I think that's very possible that, that they're doing that. But we've seen two performances now that we just didn't see really all of last year. 26% target share, 81% route participation. So he's up over the number that we want him to be at. You know, you already mentioned, you know, the targets on the season. So yeah, Tyler Higby's looking really good at this point. I think you got to call him at a minimum, a low end tight end one, but he's creeping his way into the mid tight end one conversation
0: last thing with Robinson did score a touchdown on AJ Terrell who has now allowed three scores this year only allowed three scores all of last season combined they've been tough plays Michael Thomas beating him on a pair of contested targets but it's it's still just wild it's a cool stat i'm not here to slander AJ Terrell still very good at football just an objective fact, factoid that's all i'm trying to say here with robinson though is this enough for you to still kind of fire him up weekly as this borderline wide receiver two? like robinson versus bateman in a neutral matchup who you think you're taking more
1: weeks you just take bateman now yeah i think you just have to like one's shown a big game the other really hasn't but i think alan robinson just put him in the put him in the low end wide receiver three conversation don't be surprised if he reemerges and he's part of that wide receiver two, you know um, you know, group moving forward, like he's still out there plenty 98%, you're sorry, 97% route participation. You know, the problem is like Cooper cut 40% target share. And then if Tyler Higby gets 26%, there's nothing left. Like there's 14%. That's where Allen Robinson was today. So, but I also want to give him a little bit of a, you know, he's still integrating into the offense, you know, that sort of thing. So, who knows you know he, he could still end up coming through you know and really kind of like showing up maybe in the second half of the season or here in the next couple of weeks but i wouldn't overreact react and move him like outside of the wide receiver threes for now like if we get another week or two of this then at that point it's kind of like well i mean there's nothing we can do at that point you're just gonna have to call him a wide receiver four.
0: marcus Mariota two scores through the air only got 16 rushing yards in this one it look they got a block punt for a touchdown the cooper cup lost a fumble like this this was kind of a self-induced kind of blowing the lead for the Rams. so i don't want to give the falcons too much credit for that but who i will give credit is drake london my goodness the dude looked like a monster with the ball in his hands jumped over another human being which just is again just to have the confidence to even try to hurdle someone and then not not, not only the confidence but then to actually pull it off uh just a true alpha move but eight catches 86 yards and a touchdown creating separation all over the place like that was one of the more stupid arguments we got to have throughout the entire offseason with Drake London. And I think if Garrett Wilson didn't just have such a big day, we'd be fawning over what London was able to do out there a lot more. But unfortunately, Dwayne, this isn't what everyone wants to talk about with the Falcons. It's the fact that while London is thriving, one Kyle Pitts after two weeks, after 120 minutes of professional football this year, the 2021 NFL Draft's fourth overall pick. The Falcons picked this man fourth out of every single eligible player. They picked him fourth. He has four catches for 38 scoreless yards after two weeks of action. This just sucks, man. I know that he's pass blocking a little more than he should. You know, what, 75% route rate last week. It should be at 100%. I get that. Can we just throw the dude the damn ball? Kyle Pitts should not be leaving any games with three targets. And, yeah, he had four. He drew a freaking 50-yard defensive pass interference down the sideline when the corner had to, like, grab onto his arm for dear life because it's Kyle freaking pitch running 40 yards downfield. It's just annoying, yeah. man. And then to get the Arthur Smith quote uh, at the end of it, a fun note from John Paulson now four for four. Arthur Smith, the uh, son, I guess, of the FedEx CEO, Frank yeah. Smith or some other thing. So Arthur Smith just clearly, you know, someone's had to clawed and, you know, work for every single thing he's ever uh, got there. So Dwayne, shut up, shut up about your fantasy football. He's just trying to win games out there, man. And winning games, which he's not doing, by the way, doesn't involve throwing the ball to Kyle Pitts. I, I It's come on, we can't. We're we're never sitting Kyle Pitts, but man, if you want to put like Waller and Kittle when he's back ahead of him at this point, like shit, it just sucks. It sucks. That's what it
1: does. I I would still just say, let's just try to buy low. I mean, it's Kyle Pitts, man. Like, I I just don't see it being able to continue. Now, I say that we, it was a rough last season, but again, it was still a really good rookie season for a tight end. You know, I mean, it was still great. Um, But the route participation was better today, 91%. So we didn't, he was not staying in to pass block. Um, he was actually getting out into a route all the time. So m- I still think this is going to turn around for Kyle Pitts. We're just dealing with a small sample. It's the first two weeks of the year. This is what happened. To your point on Drake London, love it, man. 46% target share um, out there, 89% of the routes. So he was a guy that got you know dinged up early in the preseason in that first week, You know, missed some time, and then was just kind of getting going last week. He was questionable um, all of week one, right, heading into that game. And now he looks like he really is healthy playing really well. So I think, man, the big takeaway from today for me, Ian, like is just overall like the rookies, just yes. Like Garrett Wilson, yes. Drake London, yes. Chris Olave, yes. Like I'm excited really about all of them. But, you know, Drake London and Garrett Wilson, what they did today like is really, uh, I, I think, man, like London's easily, he was right on the verge of the wide receiver threes, you know, for me this past week, you know, um, he's, he's locked in to wide receiver three now and could easily push his way into wide receiver two. Um, I, I would rank, you know, London's going to rank ahead of Garrett Wilson because Garrett Wilson, we don't know for sure what's going to happen if the game script goes bad and they can't use 11 personnel because he's he's having to share a lot with Corey Davis whenever that team is running, you know, just two wides. So from a consistency standpoint, I think Drake London's going to be the number one rookie for the season. Garrett Wilson, if he can take over that other outside role from Corey Davis, so even when they're in 12 and 21 and those sort of things, I think they're going to both be hand-in-hand. Um, but right now I would, I would lean to London.
0: Corey Davis catches a 66 yard touchdown. Everyone's just like, whatever, man. Like, no one
1: even covered him on the play. He's just like <laughs> back then. Yeah. It wasn't just fantasy managers. It was just the coverage, the secondary. Also just I wanna, Corey Davis, whatever.
0: I made a note. Cause you know how that goes. Sometimes it was either a complete busted coverage or Davis ran a filthy, like double move. So just, I'm slightly, I just want to see the all 22 before I completely throw okay, that take yeah. out there. But I, I, yeah. I haven't seen I the all 22 right. on it. So you're, you're most likely right. I give an 80% chance that that was an egregious busted coverage. Uh, if anyone had that full game on, <laughs> maybe they already saw uh, it come to fruition. But yeah. How about like next week, Drake, London and Garrett compared to Alan Robinson? For me, I would start London over. I'll here, go Rob- London
1: easy. Yep.
0: Garrett's, um, Garrett's just going to be a little tough because like Elijah Moore is going to get his two eventually. I understand that Garrett yes. could very well be the one, but like, let's not, Elijah still does exist.
1: Kyle Pitts go by low, Elijah Moore go by low. Look, these people just don't all of a sudden become bad players. They're still good players. Like they they showed they were really good last year. So, these are the and they're young. These are young ascending players. So, like you didn't get to draft some of these guys we're hearing you're hearing us talk about breaking out right now. Guess what? You can go trade for one because someone in your league is panicking right now after 2 weeks with Kyle Pitts. They're absolutely just panicking with what's going on with Elijah Moore. I I got so many tweets today to me like when I did the I did a couple things on Garrett Wilson, I can't tell you how many people asked me, do I drop Elijah Moore? <laughs> no, no, you don't drive, nope. you don't drop Elijah Moore. Like, and if someone does drop him in your league, you absolutely got to go find a way to pick the dude up.
0: Did you see on when London did catch the touchdown? Like it was a little two-man game with him and Pitts, and London catches it and Pitts is like right behind him, and Pitts even put his <laughs> hands up too. And it was like, No, man, that ball's not going to you. You nope, should know that. Nope by now. Mine's
1: too big for that man
0: <laughs> pitts almost had a chance it was like a third and goal and Mariota threw his sucker like 200 miles per hour and i k- seemed to kind of go through his hands up there i definitely would have called it a drop though i'm just gonna blame Mariota when things go wrong <laughs> just to, just like you know we're, we're not blaming mac jones for anything it's all matt patricia's fault just uh just one of those things real quick in the backfield no damian williams he is on ir now with this rib injury that's Falcons, like three Falcons coaches said it wasn't a big deal and they put him on IR before the game. Like, just why even lie about that? Whatever. Cordero, 59% snaps, 10 carries, one target. Again, the target toss-up where maybe CPAT could have caught it. I would argue that Mariota didn't exactly give him the most catchable pass. Unfortunately, got uh, got tipped around and either picked sixth or pretty close to it. So only one target for CPAT. Still did, you know, play the majority of the snaps. And more weeks or not, I'd expect him to extend that lead a little bit over Tyler Algier. Unfortunately, Dwayne, we got we got to get Avery Williams on the field for 25% of the snaps, so even though he's That's only going to get one target out there. So Tyler Algier, I think he's going to be someone that a lot of people are trying to put on the waiver wire. Oh, 10 touches in his first game. Look at this. I'm not too interested, man. There's always a no. league for it, but yeah, no.
1: Early down grinder on an offense that just was getting blown out today. And to your point, basically the the Rams let this game happen. Hey, Arthur Smith, you're trying to win games. The Rams tried to let you win this one, but <laughs> you still couldn't pull it off. Um, so looking at Cordero Patterson, though, still out there for all the long time and distance. I mean, and what the hell, man, like, you know, for how much the uh, the Falcons were, were trailing, they just didn't use the two minute offense that much. Um, but I'm just looking like who got the two minute offense snaps in the running for the running backs. Cause Patterson got 14%. Algier got four. Oh, oh my God. Caleb Avery Pauling. Williams, oh. <laughs> Avery Williams, 86% of the two minute offense. I, Arthur Smith is a moron.
0: They're trying to win games. Dwayne. They're trying to win games. This.
1: this is so, this is, this is uh, so egregious. And I mean, you, and, and you liked quarter Patterson enough to pay him and bring him back. Anyway, so yeah, Patterson was, you know, that's what was do. That's what got Patterson's day on his route participation. He was only at 37%. Like he's a guy we're used to seeing at 55, 60%. So 26% route participation, sorry, 17% for Avery Williamson. So that was a 86, the two minute offense. You got to get Avery Williams out there. Uh, Patterson is still getting play out wide. uh, 46% from the slot lining up as a receiver still. So it's not all in the backfield for him. Um, So still good days for Patterson, like coming, coming ahead. But yeah, it's a little worrisome seeing because Avery Williams, like that worries me just because I don't even know who Avery Williams is. But They feel they got to have him on the field. So whatever.
0: I was just about to say, are we positive this isn't a bit here? Someone is PFF put this on here behind the <laughs> yeah,
1: scenes. Yeah. And they're like, let's, let's see. Let's see if Dwayne and Ian will just talk about Avery Williams. Maybe, maybe they'll like make up the college he went to or something.
0: <laughs> I looked it up. Boise State. But okay. Moving on. <laughs>
1: 49ers,
0: 27. Seahawks, 7. This one was a beatdown. Seahawks only touchdown ended up being a field goal blocked and returned to the house. At one point, uh, Seattle put all four running backs on the field. And then DJ Dallas uh, threw an interception. And Dwayne, you had a funny tweet. Like DJ throws the interception and is like trying to come on, come on, DK. Like, shut the hell up, DJ. You shouldn't even be getting any offense. <laughs> he's acting like I'm-
1: he's a real quarterback, blaming it on him, like throwing his hands up, like you know, like you would see Mahomes do with Nicole Hardman. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, oh my God, dude.
0: My uh, In my running back column, I might have a bull call of the week and a pissed off call of the week. And my pissed off call of the week was that the Seahawks were going to rotate four running backs and render all of them useless. Well, lo and behold, that's exactly what happened here. Did Rashad Penny lead? Nope. Did Kenneth Walker lead? Nope. Did the quarterback DJ Dallas lead? No, of course not. Because that needs to be Travis Homer playing a <laughs> team high 45% of the snaps Four targets, two carries. Penny had six carries. Walker had four carries. Actually, three targets for Walker out there, you know, five whopping yards. It was a terrible effort, really, from the offense. Geno Smith, yeah, was doing Gino things, only six incompletions, 197 yards. But again, just the, the the old-timed interception and just overall, it was just a Seahawks man. Tyler Lockett, though, did have 107 yards on nine catches. Metcalf only had 35 yards, but Maybe the biggest sheesh of the week. Oh my God, man. Metcalf made an unreal one handed catch downfield. Unfortunately, illegal man downfield. So when you get one hand, just like throw off the penalties. Like, come on. Uh, Awesome note from. PFT uh, uh, commentary, the Barstool guy, where he said, you know, if you catch the ball on pass interference, like there should be like an and one of some sorts of forward in football. Like give him an extra 10 yards or something. Like I-, I love I love that call there. But, yes, Seattle offense, really and out there. The running back group, the answer right now is no. Like none of these guys. Penny, Walker, Dwayne, I don't hate holding on to them. And, again, there are leagues where you put them on there. But I don't even consider Penny or Walker, especially if it's not like a keeper league or a dynasty league or anything like that. Once we get into bye weeks, man, if this is what we're going to see every week, I don't think this is a situation we need to be holding these guys for. Because, unfortunately, I don't see a scenario where unless these guys start getting injured, where we're going to trust them. But even if they do, like we saw in week one, that was an ideal game for Rashad Penny, game script-wise. And it didn't even work out that way this week. It wouldn't have mattered if it was only Penny or only Walker. They were still going to work behind Travis Homer. I don't know why, but it's the reality of the situation.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's why Penny was a sell high after last week. Like if you you knew Kenneth Walker was close to coming back, he was really just the Penny was just the early down, you know, play last week and he was going to have to share that with Walker once he came back. And then we knew we have, we've got a passing down back. And now we have two passing down backs. So it's just like, Oh my God uh yeah it's it's a problem it's a problem an offense is going to trail all the time um we've got concerns you know about the quality of the quarterback I know Geno's playing better than what we would expect him to There's just there's nothing to really like you know about this so yeah uh, I mean if you've got Rashad Penny or Kenneth Walker those are the two that I would definitely be keeping on my rosters I just don't want to have them anywhere near uh you know my starting lineup unless I have to like as a what the heck, flex kind of play? Whenever we're on one of those weeks where we got six teams on by, um, you really needed to isolate down to just one of these guys. Um, but it, it's too, too many things, you know, to have to try to overcome. Like, like this is worse than like what Ramondre Stevenson had to do. <laughs> Oh, far worse, far worse. We'll
0: say now in six extended appearances with Geno Smith under center going back to last year, DK Metcalf, 35 targets, 30 catches, 316 yards and five touchdowns. Tyler Lockett, 45 targets, 33 catches, 381 yards, no touchdowns just yet. So at a minimum, Dwayne, like just seeing Geno these first two weeks, I do think that Geno can be more bad to below average than like worst quarterback in the league by far that he's kind of been. So that's the good news for Metcalf and Lockett. But, you know, it's still going to be instances like this where they're just not even able to score many offensive points. So with that said, sad, sad day here in yeah, San man. Francisco. Trey Lance with the ankle, done for the season. Never, ever want to see that. And what – it doesn't quite apply in this one. It was just like a – it was a design run up the middle and his it was like a Dak Prescott ankle injury. It's it just gross. Man, talking to Kevin Cole last week, and we were just talking about how he never slides. And again, this wasn't even a play where he should slide. Uh, I don't want to try to rethink this like, oh, yeah, we should have known he was getting injured. That's ridiculous. Uh, it, it just sucks, man. Someone that was really going out there and playing well to start. I mean, just 30 passing yards going out there, 13 rushing yards, limited snaps, was moving the offense up and down the field. Now we're not going to see him until next season. So, Trey Lance, done for the year it is good news for the rest of the 49ers offensive players. We've talked about this a lot with dual threat quarterbacks, guys like Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson. Yeah, they can enable other good players. Obviously Mark Andrews, you know, we had the Mark Ingram 15 rushing touchdowns, but generally because these guys are scrambling instead of checking the ball down. And because they're now another person that can score a touchdown at the goal line where no one else is getting that touchdown. They can sometimes be a net negative for the rest of the guys in that offense, particularly if they're, you know, taking away some of the passing efficiency I hand. So We've seen Jimmy G in this offense enough, man. He was number two in the NFL in yards per attempt last year. So Brandon Ayuk, Debo, George Kittle, even the running backs, man, like hate to say it, but that Trey Lance injury is objectively really good news for all the everyone else's fantasy stock.
1: Yeah, it's it's just going to be a situation where Trey's taking up less of the running game um, and we know that Jimmy can, you know, distribute the ball to all three guys and they're going to have more passing plays now. So, yeah, I I hate to look at it that way too. Um, and I do feel bad, you know, for Trey Lance, but as far as like moving forward in fantasy, it's an upgrade for Ayuk. It's an upgrade for Debo Samuel, in my opinion, it's an upgrade for George Kittle, as far as having any chance of supporting all three, right? Not, not to say that, you know, Lance might, not have been able to like unlock some other capacity, especially for a guy like Ayuk, right. in the downfield passing game but at the same time, we've seen Ayuk play. Okay. You know, with other quarterbacks, including Jimmy G. So, and Ayuk was interesting today. He had a 33% target share. Debo Samuel had a 24% target share. Um, those, those guys are pretty much out there on the field all the time. Obviously George Kittle was out. Um, looking at the running back situation, Jeff Wilson was out there handled 40% of the rushing attempts, 32% to Tyrion Davis price but it was Jeff Wilson out there for more of the long down and distance stuff. Um, but we did have uh, Kyle, Kyle use <laughs> Remember, just like last year, man, like he is out there for 50% of the passing downs. Um, and then you have Devo Samuel stealing, you know, carry. So this game script worked out well uh, where the, the 49ers were leading, you know, by a good bit like the whole game and so that still allowed jeff wilson to end up with 18 rushing attempts but in a normal game where the 49ers are not leaving or not leading like he's he's not going to get close to that like he's going to be more like a 12 which isn't terrible like it's an rb3 so i wouldn't get too excited about jeff wilson and think that you should plug him into that rb2 conversation because he doesn't belong
0: Did see Tyron Davis-Price get 40% of those snaps. Jeff Wilson, 50. Ultimately, Wilson with the 20 combined carries and targets. But to Dwayne's point, that was certainly more of a factor of just, you know, being up 20 nothing at halftime. It was good, though, just see Jeff put forward a good efficiency game. His last couple chances he's had there really hasn't looked good at all out there. But clearly, he is the starting RB1, as we told you on this podcast last week. Just the fact that so many outlets were running with that hot-hand approach, you know, where Shanahan was specifically talking about the RB2s involved, not Jeff Wilson. Just make sure you try to read that whole quote. I know we all got places to be, people, but we can read, you know, an extra five words from time to time. Shout out to Debo, the electric 51-yard run. The dude, just it's at this point, Dwayne, I mean, it's, the guy's so good. You just slot him in as a top 10 wide receiver and ask questions later. Put him higher, put him lower. You're starting him each and every week. Hundred plus yards and or a touchdown, 18 of 21 games since the beginning of last season. Rusher, receiver, doesn't matter. Debo's gonna go make plays. Hardy
1: how many means- yards? How many yards would Debo Samuel run if he was the full-time starter as the running back on this team?
0: Dude, I don't well, because <laughs> I saw someone bring up uh because I've talked about over the years where a target for running backs is worth 2.7 times a carry in terms of just their expected PPR right. points. Now a carry for wide receivers is historically worth more. We see that those yards per carry higher because I think a lot of times they're you know they're more trick plays. A lot plays. of that's they're...
1: jets and things like that, not, not true handoffs like what Debo's getting. <laughs>
0: that's Debo has legit RB usage. He just makes more of it than anyone else. It's madness, man. Just his yards after contact, his missed tackles, forced like my running back column. I'm doing the chart every week with Excel. I always have people like, oh, do you make that an R bro? No, I did it in half the time with Excel. Did you, like,
1: scrape, did you scrape all the data?
0: I didn't scrape it, Dwayne. I put, <laughs> I, put an, I put a variable on the X axis and on the Y axis and I called it a day. I, I spent time with my family uh, for a change. I didn't have the uh, cool looking helmets. I didn't have the helmets there. I had their names instead. That was the big uh, drop off I had. But I had to like include Debo on that just to show that he's up there with the Javantes, with the Jonathan Taylors, with all those guys in terms of yards after contact and missed tackles for us, So Debo, Man, just, I think if you want to say he's the best freaking player in the league with the ball in his hands, you're not wrong. I would note with the sheesh, you mentioned Juice check getting that touchdown. Jeff Wilson was working out wide before that, caught a curl and almost carried the guy into the end zone. Like, come on, man. This is, that's the play I'm talking about. Like, give Jeff Wilson one chance at the goal line. If he doesn't score there, okay, get the ball in the end zone. But, you know, Kyle's definitely not about fantasy points. That's for sure. Did note that uh, Tyler Croft got hurt with a knee injury. That's why Ross Dwelly was the recipient of a 38 yard touchdown. So, great day to be great if you're Ross Dwelly. The Cowboys in Cowboys fashion. Of course, everyone writes them off. They get the W 20 to 17 over the Bengals covering as a seven point home dog under cash at 42. Noah Brown. Uh, I forget who actually said this uh, in the comments here earlier in the show, but someone was asking if Noah Brown is like a legitimate fancy asset now. And, I'm going to say no to that because I think Michael Gallup's going to be back sooner rather than later, and that's going to kind of hurt uh, Noah Brown's chances of being on the field, but it was a great game for him. I mean, caught all five of his targets from 91 yards and a score and winning with a lot of the contested catch goodness that he had to really live on back at Ohio State and like it's just wild to see Noah Brown out there, man. The Cowboys have used him as like an H back, borderline tight end, ever since he's been there. Now he's out there, you know, working outside and but doing good things. So again, don't mistake says Noah Brown. Yeah, he's slammer. the guy that
1: used to you'd see him on the field and they would just put him in the in motion on a run play, and he would like crack down on like a defensive <laughs> end or a linebacker, and like, yeah, he's out here having a game today.
0: Well, I remember Ohio State. They'd always they'd always run that jet motion. They'd have guys like Terry McLaurin and Paris Campbell, and you'd be like, okay, like maybe they're gonna get this shit and turn turn it up for eighty. Then you see Noah Brown out there, and you're like, all right. I'm pretty sure they're handing it to Zeke this play. Like, come on now. Like don't, uh, don't be kidding us there with that, but great game from Noah Brown. Also got CD lamb, you know, cashing in there. Nice little end of the game. there. caught seven of 11 targets for 75 yards. As I was saying, you know, last week, CD lamb, it sucks. No, we can't rank him as a top six, top eight receiver, top 12, even while Dax out of the picture, But look, other guys like Brandon Cooks, Terry McLaurin, DJ Moore, amongst others, do they exactly put in, you know, just the biggest, most consistent performance out there? No. And that's going to be the case with CD as well. But anytime you have a receiver getting the sort of target volume that CD is, you got to be complete shit at football to not make at least some sort of wide receiver two, wide receiver three worst case value out of it. Clearly, we know CD is not shit at football. So where do you kind of rank? Where did you have CD, I guess, ranked this week, Dwayne? I think I had him. Fifteen. Some of the other PFF crew had him closer to twenty. I can see that. Again, it's unfortunate that we drafted him to be this upside wide receiver one, and now we got to treat him more as this mid to low end wide receiver two. That's still someone that should be in the heavy majority of starting lineups. Though.
1: Yeah, I had him as a low end wide receiver two this okay. week, but I mean, I saw enough, you know, from Cooper Rush to feel fine about keeping him there. And I, I think he could, to your point, like on eleven targets, you know, he could still come through and give you a big wide receiver one week. Thirty seven percent target share today. So I, I. I think it's fine to your point. We drafted him to have that top six upside that you're not going to get for right now, but it's only, it's only for right now. Right. I mean, we, we may not be with Dak quite as long as what we thought originally. So, so we'll have to wait and see. And, and lamb could be the kind of guy that right is really coming on right. As you're heading into your fantasy playoffs. Once Dak is fully ready.
0: Cooper rush now, and his two starts has been passable. He's been a backup quarterback. Someone that's not going to completely kill the entire offense. Like, I don't know. Not, not the yeah, he gave lamb
1: 17 points. Uh, in his in in the game last year, against that the Vikings, Vikings game, and and, Cooper and went this, off too. Yeah, so I mean, like now we got him around 15, you know, in a PPR this week. So I think that, you know, hey, it that that keeps CD Lamb usable.
0: I would say, you know, just like at the end of the Buccaneers game, C.D. got loose at the end, and Cooper just overthrew him. Could have been a monster oh, pain. Yeah. That did happen earlier in this one. C.D. really had Jadobia Wuzier in a pretzel, uh, beat him deep. But, yeah, Cooper overthrew that one. So I know we're going to get those happening, but don't be too afraid to go back to the well with C.D. We need to find out more about Dalton Schultz's knee injury. The official word was that he's undergoing an MRI, and there's no concern about the ACL structure. So that's good. Get better, Dalton Schultz. want to see all these players out there healthy. The backfield usage: Ezekiel Elliott, sixty-six percent snaps, fifteen carries, two targets. Tony Pollard, forty-one percent snaps, nine carries, and a sweet, sweet, sweet seven targets. So one of those, I, I thought it was a rush attempt live. I guess it must have just must have just been you know a six-inch flip or something like that. But forty-six yards around left end, looking as explosive as all hell. Got down the one inch line, and what did the Cowboys do, Dwayne, they gave him the ball. The next play, let Tony Pollard go get. It was a great weekend for that.
1: We got Mark Andrews got to get his, Tony Pollard got to get yep. his. Yeah,
0: I think there might even been another one out there, but either way, great weekend for that. With that said, this is still a Cowboys offense. They scored twenty points here, and that it felt like it took kind of a lot for them to get there. Zeke Pollard, Zeke to me feels like. A volume-based low-end RB2 only because I can't fathom saying the word Zeke RB3. Telling You're going need to. Oh, we're there?
1: Yeah, man. He, yeah. It, it is what it is at this point. I mean, like 15 carries for 53 yards. He's the same thing as James Robinson. Are you calling James Robinson on RB2? Uh,
0: no, Dwayne, I'm not.
1: Now, look, when you get Dak back, if the offense starts, gets going, then I think that changes the conversation, you know, I think potentially. But right now, the offense, like you just said, like it looked like it was a struggle for 20 points. So I think you got to put him in the RB3 territory. And I think Pollard's in the same range. Um, Man, Pollard targets per route run the day for Pollard, 54%. (laughs) So basically every time he ran a route, you better turn around, man. It's coming hot. Like (laughs) Cooper Rush is coming to your ass. So um, 23% target share on the day. Um, but, but Zeke's still out there, man. Zeke was out there for 60% of the 2 minute offense. So was Pollard, 60%. So Pollard was out there. 38% of his routes did come in the slot today, Ian. So little shout-out slot slot action for Tony Pollard. I know that you were you were pro-Tony Pollard slot this preseason, so he did get some of that today. I don't know how many of his targets came from that. But Zeke's still a, just – active enough right and the, just like it's like come on just let zeke be the early down back and just make tony pollard you know the full-time passing down back and then everybody's happy like but it's still kind of a split you know between the two guys but it's 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 more of a 60 40 though at this point so i think pollard's he's, he's out there enough and we know he can give the big plays like what we saw today that keeps him in the rb3 conversation last week his utilization wasn't quite as strong
0: it should be 70 70, and Dennis freaking Houston doesn't need to be running one sprints <laughs> for half the game, man. That's my opinion on Fair the matter. Enough. But, Fair uh, enough. <laughs> but yes, to your point, without Dak, probably is time to put Zeke in that RB3 territory. So, yeah, again, once not someone you need to necessarily bench, but
1: far you do from like you do and you know like you know you like to motivate guys put him down there and let's see if zeke can come out and score two touchdowns and work his way back into the lineup
0: if, if you're going to start zeke anyway you know leave him on the bench until friday or saturday just make him sweat a little bit <laughs> and then slide him back into that starting lineup uh afterwards so uh thought i had something else to say on the cowboys but couldn't have been that important so now over to the Bengals. joe burrow since entering the nfl sacked a uh, at league high, 96 times, not great. Took six more in this game. I Michael Parsons just looked unblockable out there. Lel Collins, you know, coming from the Cowboys, told Burrow you got your new personal bodyguard. Could not even come close to slowing down <laughs> Parsons this one. Dwayne texted me during the game just – parsons best defensive player in the nfl and i, I i'm not going to disagree man i would love to see you know take my money nfl pay-per-view clone derwin james 22 times and clone parsons 22 times let's see those guys go at it for 60 minutes man because just the things that remember when he beat tyreek hill in a race this offseason I, I i'm sure tyreek wasn't taking it as seriously as parsons but how many guys can beat Tyreek Hill in a race in a race that Tyreek isn't taken seriously, man? Like, this dude is a freak among freaks. And he's the only reason the Cowboys won this game, uh, in my opinion. But focusing on the Bengals' offense, just another game, man, where the Bengals couldn't block anybody. And accordingly, like, you saw Burrow out there. It was a third and 12 or something where – He just got the ball out of his hands in about half a second to T Higgins like they just haven't even been able to think about looking deep for Jamar Chase. And I think that is why we end up seeing T Higgins take the lead in this game, more so in the short intermediate areas of the field. So we're not worried about Jamar Chase. We're not worried about T Higgins either. But are you worried, Dwayne, about the overall upside of this Bengals offense now 0-2, despite having faced Mitchell Trubisky and Cooper Rush through two weeks?
1: No, I think they'll get it smoothed out, right? I mean, Joe Burrow is just too good of a player. These receivers are too good. They made the upgrades to the offensive line. That, that's what's weird is like just how much pressure Joe Burrow still is under. Now, look, you 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 faced off against T.J. Watt and then Michael Parsons, like so two of the best you know perimeter you know rushers in the game. Um, so that was that was problematic. And Lael Collins, well, I I don't. I mean, I wouldn't be advertising yourself as like a personal bodyguard. Like, cause it's not like you're not one, like at least not yet. Like, and and Collins man, like when he was with the Cowboys early on, like he was really good, but he was always really more known as a mauler on the ground. Right. He'd get that highlight
0: where he's pulling and the poor cornerback steps up. Yeah. And he,
1: he would do it against defensive linemen, just blow them up. Like, you know, when early on in his career, But pass protection, like has always been a little bit more of a problem, like not, not consistent anyway. So I think that's, that's been a challenge for burrow. Um, But it was a positive game for T Higgins, man. Like, I mean, and look, we've talked about this how many times where we've even just asked, like, hey, would we be surprised if you look up at the end of the year and Jamar Chase and T Higgins have the same number of targets? Like, it it really could happen. You saw it today. 27% target share for both guys. 100% route participation for Jamar Chase. 98% for T Higgins after, you know, suffering the concussion in week one. He made it back. Was out there all the time. Your boy, dude, Hayden Hurst, 85% route participation. Sam, Look at that.
0: Sample sample got hurt, which I think helped a little bit, but yeah. Oh, it did it? Out.
1: Okay. But he was over 80 last week. So that's two weeks in a row for Hayden Hurst. Like, obviously he's not going to be one of the major targets in the passing game, but still like being out there enough. And if, if the Bengals can just kind of get the offense like right enough, um like he could still have those azoma type spike games but uh, we're seeing more utilization from Hurst than we ever saw really from azoma last year so i think there's a chance that he could come through especially in like dfs
0: joe mixon 19 carries just 57 yards did also catch three passes for 26 yards so these games happen obviously joe mixon should still be cemented in every single starting lineup out there tyler boyd obviously odd man out when both these guys are healthy one injury away to either, which we almost had with T. Higgins, though, from being a weekly factor. So Tyler Boyd, someone that you don't need to you know, keep at all costs, but just remember he is one of those wide receiver threes that does actually have a path to more upside if either starter gets hurt in front of them. But, yes, last thing with Joe Burrow, since entering the league, man, I mentioned the NFL high 96 to- uh, times he got sacked, but 8.3% sack rate, minimum 500 dropbacks, league high. If you go on to 100 dropbacks, only Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and Geno Smith have been worse. Man, it's just terrible group, and
1: we have to
0: indictment. And I do think the offensive line in Cincinnati probably has more to do with that uh, than normal. I mean, we watched that game; it wasn't like Burrow was, you know, sitting there holding on to the ball too long that often. But that's that's the one issue, man. So if they can fix fix that, I don't know who the hell is going to be stopping this Bengals offensive line anytime and. As uh, some of the people in the comments are talking about, Trayvon Diggs did step up there. I mean, him and really the Cowboys' entire secondary. Uh, one of those things where we went back and I was tweeting it, you know, the last time Jamar Chase and Trayvon Diggs went, uh, matched up LSU Bama, and, you know, Chase was just really beating them like a drum throughout most of that one. Diggs won this one, man. And as much as, uh, you know, we love to bring up Diggs, you know, allowing the most receiving yards in the league and all that, it's one of those things where just, we can't mention that without mentioning just how great he is at forcing the turnovers. And that's why I think when you look at just the EPA gained from that, uh, you can start to wrap your mind around it. So every year, Dwayne, I do my little Jameis Winston all-stars team, not to disparage anyone, but just to show players that have, you know, real volatile ways of playing the game. And that's Trayvon Diggs. And uh, it's a lot of fun to watch for better and for worse. And today was certainly one of those better times. Next game, not exactly a classic, but you know, a game, nonetheless, that we're going to talk about. Denver Broncos <laughs> beat the Houston Texans 16-9. to Pretty hilarious. Denver could not get a freaking they, – they kept getting false starts. This happened last week and it happened again. So the Denver crowd literally started counting down the play clock to try to remind the team uh, when they were getting down to zero. Absolute madness going on in Denver. They were getting restless, and as they should, man. I mean, some of the Russell Wilson just – But what you hear during the game, like, oh, he's four for 15 now. You know, Cortland Sutton's the only wide receiver doing anything. It was a rough one. He finished 14 for 31, 219 yards. But it really could have been a lot easier victory for Denver, I think. I mean, Cortland Sutton. Earlier in the game, he draws a DPI inside the five-yard line. And Denver tried to do the cool thing, man. They went back to him two plays in a row uh, trying to throw him fades. The first one, it did look like he scored, but his foot was out of bounds. And the second one uh, just wasn't able to get there. And then Russ waits. He has Javante Williams wide open in the end zone tries to zip it in, gets batted. Somehow Kendall Hinton almost caught it, but just a whole, like, four straight sheeshs on that drive. Later in the game, uh, once again, Montreal Washington was close to coming down with a 20-yard touchdown. Couldn't stay in bounds, though. So, it, look, it's tough to look at our performance when a quarterback goes 14 for 31 and say, like, anything good about it. But I do think... PF, like his PFF grade is going to be a lot better than his QB rating is going to be just based mm-hmm. on kind of what we saw. If you look at some of the big time throws out there, he was making them. And Cortland Sutton now, man, through two weeks, I think we can all guess who the number one leader in air yards is, is Chris Olave. Number two though, Cortland Sutton, a big part of that this week was Jerry Judy getting ruled out early. They said it was a shoulder injury initially, and then we end up getting word that he had negative x-rays on his ribs. But Dwayne, Holy shit, man. If we have Judy missing time, obviously Tim Patrick's out of the picture. KJ Hamler didn't play this week. They're not calling it a setback, but it seems pretty weird to me that you played the guy in the preseason. You played him in week one as a regular wide receiver. And it's just like, yeah, he's not playing week yeah, two. It's regular not a, maintenance, Not a big deal, Dwayne. N- n- nothing to see here. Like, don't worry about it. Why are you guys even asking us about this? If Corlin Sutton is going to be playing in an offense alongside Tyree Cleveland and Kendall Hinton, shout out the quarterback for one week, you know, during covid Colin Sutton, man, like 122 yards, seven catches. I know we haven't gotten, you know, the touchdowns, just a complete blow-up game yet, but Sutton without Judy, that's the top 12 wide receiver right
1: there. Absolutely. Uh, 11 targets, seven receptions, 122, 41% target share today. You already mentioned the air yards, 50% for the team. Yards per route run, 3.70. Yeah, he's in the top 12 uh, any week that we're going to be without Judy. And it's sad because Judy was actually off to a nice start looking good, wasn't out there long, only 14% of the snaps. Um, you know he had a ele- he finished the game with an 11% target share on only 14% of the snaps. So I mean that's a 60% targets per route run. Like I think they were about to form a really nice combo. So hopefully Judy's not hurt too bad because yeah. I think that this offense has a has an opportunity to really gel. I think we're seeing the worst that we're going to see of the Broncos offense right now. I think it's only going to get better as the season goes along. Um So yeah, Sutton, absolutely, man, smash top 12 right now, especially if Judy's out and if, if Judy's back. Like it's just he's in the wide receiver two conversation anyway, you know, and Judy was pushing his way to be in, in and he might've made it there today. We might've been really just looking at both of them as being, you know, low end wide receiver two, mid range wide receiver, two types.
0: Javante Williams, 65% snaps, 15 carries, three targets. Melvin Gordon, 32% snaps, 10 carries one target. Yes. Yes. Dwayne. We'll take this. Now we need the Russell Wilson led Broncos to score more than 16 points per game. So hopefully some of those touches can end with Javante and the end zone, but, this is fine. This is all we needed. We just couldn't take the 50 50 bullshit we had to deal with every week last year. Great news for Javante in a game yeah. that again, they were actually down nine to six going into the fourth quarter. So it seems like Javante, they trust him more so as a pass down back and they're certainly not shying away from him, Uh, you know, on the early downs either. So Javante still going to be tough to, you know, slam him into the top 10 because Melvin is going to stay plenty involved. But after week one, I think there could have been some concern about Javante. Maybe those targets were fluky. Maybe he's someone that we need to start putting a lot closer to Melvin Gordon. After this one, man, I'm more convinced than ever that Javante should be able to have that 60 40, 65 35 split, which I know a lot of people were hoping that he'd just take over the whole backfield. But I think throughout the offseason, 65
1: 35 is still. That's, great, all man. that's all we wanted. That's all we wanted, pretty much. Yeah, 65% is like, that's, that's, basically in every down back nearly, right? Like, look, we get certain guys, like, especially this year, we've got three players that were over 80% of the snaps today with CMC, Saquon Barkley, and Leonard Fournette, but we don't get those that often. Like, typically, you get maybe one of those for the whole season, maybe two, and then you've got a bunch of, you know, I say a bunch, you've got another group of about, like, four to eight backs that are in this 65% range, and you want to have those backs. And so right now, again, only two data points. Last week, you know, he was... You know, he actually out snapped Melvin Gordon, but Melvin Gordon was out there, got much more of the rushing attempts. Gordon in week one, you know, had like 60% of the rushing attempts. This week, only 32%, 52% of the rushing attempts went to Javonta Williams. Long down a distance, 56% to Javonta Williams. 60% of the two-minute offense went to Javonta Williams. So Melvin Gordon's still getting a little bit involved in in those plays as well. This week was, was different. Like last week, it was like, Javante had a very niche role. It was like, he's going to be the receiving back and they used him that way this week. It was really more, Hey, two thirds of the offense, regardless of if it's long down and distance, two minute offense doesn't matter Is yours. Javante Melvin Gordon for the drive. We put you for the drive. We put you out there. If we go into those, you know, if we use one of those sub packages or we go to hurry up, fine. We're just going to leave you out there, too. It was really just more two out of every three drives to to Williams, one out of every three drives to Melvin Gordon. So, yeah, I'm taking this as a positive for Williams. You know, obviously, we'll see what happens next week. But I think with some of the injuries happening, like I, there's no way you're keeping Javante um, out of the top i think it's to be tough to keep him out of the top 10 at this point because we're you know we've got we'll, have, we'll talk about james connor in a minute but just some of these other backs like you know we've had Kamara we're not sure where he's gonna be so javante's probably a top 10 guy right now with all the injuries
0: top 10 top 15 you're starting javante williams each and every week as you should we drafted him to be that guy sad day Dwayne alberto he had the utilization metrics going his way we Played on several teams. Again, Higby, I thought, was the best tight end to kind of have this week. But after Higby, you know, a couple other guys, but Albert Owen, Jawan Johnson were the two that were just readily available a lot. And I think you could kind of wrap your mind around them being that guy for this week. Nope. Eric Saubert catches the only uh catch that the Broncos tight ends had. Also makes – it was a nice catch for a 22-yard touchdown. Alberto couldn't snag either of his. He had one early on too, that bounced right off his hands and he had some room to run. And as we know with the upside, Alberto does theoretically possess could have been a big play, but how bad w- were his actual route running numbers? Or is he actually still out there in the full time?
1: Uh, 59% route participation. So not good. Yeah. You got the, uh, you got Eric Sauber out there, 17% Tomlinson out there, 5%. So, and then, you know, Andrew Beck technically, you know, is they, they, put him as a fullback so but i mean there's just there's a lot of these different guys are using in this heavy personnel so yeah it's a problem
0: this uh this damn green bay matt lafleur coaching tree cole comet uh Dwayne, we didn't watch the last half hour of that game but two weeks in the year still zero catches just not uh not getting much going there on the no. houston texans side of the ball brandon cooks 10 targets caught four of them 54 yards Could have, should have, would have had a six-yard touchdown. Got wide open one-on-one. Just a nasty pivot route. Reminded me of Stefan Diggs putting Lattimore in a blunder last year. Maybe like a middle-class man version of that. I don't want to get too carried away here. But either way, Davis Mills missed him low and inside. Would have been a lot cooler if that was an accurate pass. But alas, Nico Collins, nine targets. But we know what Brandon Cooks is at this point. He's a high-volume, low-end wide receiver two, upside wide receiver three. You're going to live with these down weeks. The big story, Dwayne, was Lovey Smith. Told us in week one that Damian Pierce was a starter. He did start him, but he played Rex Burkhead ahead of him uh, Everything, every time that mattered after that, even in a game that the Texans were up by 20 points for most of. Now, Damian Pierce in a game where it was close throughout dominates usage here. Let's see, 63% snaps, 15 carries, one target. Rex Burkhead had 36% snaps, zero carries, and three targets. On the one hand, it's good. Damian Pierce is getting the early down work. He should have always been getting the early down work. On the other hand, Rex Burkhead still does seem to be annoyingly involved on passing downs. Damian Pierce, is he a more hyped like Zeke, I guess, at this point? Like, what are we kind of making of this backfield? Because this is good, man, because we couldn't even think about playing him after what happened last week. With that said, he's not going to be in the top 24, I think, after this. He's still in a terrible offense. He's trying, but unfortunately for Damian Pierce this season, man, let's see. I had this handy-dandy stat up. Lovely podcast. i going go on here. I want to say he's got 82 rushing yards and like 75 of them will come after contact this season. So Damian Pierce, like James Robinson, I'm not criticizing them for the lack of efficiency because I think it's more of an offensive problem. But that offensive problem is also a fantasy manager's problem. And we got to realize that a lead early down back on the Houston Texans is probably not going to be giving us that many scoring opportunities. Thoughts on Damian Pierce's usage and what to expect from him moving forward.
1: Yeah, similar to James Robinson, similar to Zeke. Like, that's what we're dealing with. But, you know, you also have a 32-year-old handling the the passing down. So there's a chance something happens with Burkhead that could open up more room for Damian Pierce. Like, Zeke, he's not getting that. Like, like Tony Pollard, you know, is going to keep that role unless he gets injured, right? So I think that's the challenge. Um, James Robinson, not getting that. That's what they want to exactly use Travis Etienne for. So Burkhead... You know, I think it is a little bit less of a barrier to a guy like Damian Pierce. So I might rank Pierce ahead of those other two as far as my rest of season rankings whenever I do, whenever I go through the utilization stuff tomorrow. That's one that I'll have to kind of ponder like between them, but they're all pretty similar. But you mentioned it like looking really good yards after contact 3.73 today. Um, you know, the average, you know, for you know an NFL back is down like around like 1.95 like over the last two years. So like that was really good. Um, explosive rush rate. So those are carries of 10 plus yards or more. 20% so that was also good Um, looking I'm like I don't know how they're going to I think He's definitely locked into the early down stuff 84% of the rushing attempts today 100% of the short down and distance But I don't I don't know what It's going to look like with Burkhead can he start to Carve out more of that like we know Pierce was Really good um, as a receiver And as a pass blocker at Florida So I do think there's a chance he could just slowly start to earn more of that as well. Um, But I think to really fully unlock it, like, you know, it might take a Rex Burkhead injury. I know we'll have to see, but it was just, it was a positive, right? We'll take it last week. We feel like, you know, we were just completely like hoodwinked on this whole thing with Pierce. So he at least is playable to your point.
0: Hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray by (laughs) everything going on there, man. I just hope I don't even want to say it, but I will. Rex Burkhead gets hurt and Dario Waller just
1: takes that role. I'm not going to
0: be happy, Dwayne, but it is a possibility. And it could happen. (laughs) happen. Two more games to get there, everyone. Appreciate, as always, for sticking with us as we pass the two-hour mark on this lovely Monday morning now at this point. I guess it's still Sunday night for you, Dwayne, so live a little. Cardinals 29, Raiders 23, Kyler Murray against the world. Holy shit, man. Just we don't need Cliff. Just snap the ball to Kyler. Don't even tell the wide receivers what to do. He'll run around and figure it out. Like, the plays he was making out there, I feel like he couldn't even pull off. And Madden, the, your guy would just fatigue at some point, and you get caught. Because, holy shit, man, the two-point conversion. And now on the fourth down, he, like, Max Crosby has him dead to rights. Max freaking Crosby. Kyler weighs, what, like 160, dripping wet? Like, my goodness, somehow gets away gets the hold, finds finds a way to score the end zone. Then the next two-point conversion, they take a meaningless false start, move back five yards, make their lives harder. No problem. Kyler threads a freaking needle to A.J. Green, who finally manages to catch the ball after he dropped a potential touchdown to help them out a few plays before. So just an incredible comeback from Kyler after this offense looked just terrible for the first 30 minutes of the game and looked really bad last week too. I mean, let's not forget, like, Kyler getting 20 fantasy points last week. We'll take it. We'll take that eight days of the week. Certainly came mostly in garbage time, but luckily, garbage time, regular time, all those points count equal in fantasy land. So, Kyler, Dwayne, nice QB2 throughout the offseason. If you want to put Lamar there, that's fine. QB3, QB4, Kyler Murray continuing to be treated as the upside QB1 that he's really been ever since stepping foot on NFL field. Pass down usage, Zach Ertz, 11 targets. Marquise Brown, 11 targets. Greg Dortch only had four. Luckily, he managed to convert them to four catches, 55 yards, and a score. So Marquise Brown should have had a bigger day. He had a sick one-handed catch on a fourth down to keep them in the game. Originally ruled it a touchdown, but he got ruled just short, and they gave it to Daryl Williams on the next play for the score. And then an OT, dived to Marquise Brown. I think it's a drop. It was an awesome play by the safety
1: he got though. He got railed on that play, though.
0: Yeah, it's... The ball hit him in the chest. He got two hands on it. If you want to call the drop, that's fine. I I would argue though just a better play by the defender. So don't be too tough on Hollywood in this one. Again, literally a half yard away from you know having a touchdown next to that score would have had a nice amount of yards with that. So Marquise, maybe dropping him more into like the mid. Because I've I've been trying to
1: tr- no way, tr- man, ten targets. Like it's coming. Like this no, offense, but like this hasn't played good,
0: bro. I've been. Ranked, I, I'm still starting him. I've had him like wide receiver ten, wide receiver twelve. So like maybe he's, oh yeah,
1: that's where yeah. I've had him too. Like I mean, the utilization's still there. Like I, I mean, I, I'm not blaming this on Marquise Brown. Like I, I feel fine. Like uh, I think he's a high end wide receiver too until DeAndre Hopkins comes back
0: but you're so. still starting him everywhere. Exactly. So maybe a little overzealous wide receiver one, but come on, still wide receiver two, still getting out there. Was well, also good to see Zach Ertz getting out there being a target hog. The calf issue looks to be completely behind him at this point, but where it gets interesting. Dwayne is the running back room. <sighs> I thought I was nailing, thought I was nailing the Eno Benjamin call. I said later in the week, go get him. You know, we saw good usage out of him last week. He was the only guy getting used behind James Connor, and I just thought it was a situation like Jeff Wilson, where people weren't wising up to it yet. I thought we could get ahead on next week's waiver claim with Eno at the end of this week. As we saw, though, Daryl Williams actually ended up having just as many carries as Eno, and by the end of the game, the, s- the snap splits were in favor of Daryl. 44% to 42% for Eno Benjamin. So James Conner, it's my fault. I put him on my helicopter. He had like 50 yards at halftime, and then he hurt his ankle. Couldn't play the rest of the game. So hand up. My bad, everyone. James Conner's hurt again. Point the finger here. With that said, Dwayne, looks like we're going to have a two-back committee here instead of the one that we've been seeing mostly from Cliff Kingsbury. What are your overall thoughts on what we saw from Benjamin, from Daryl Williams, and who do you want to spend your fab on, if any?
1: Yeah, I mean your your guess is as good as mine. I, I would still I, I would still make it, Benjamin, but it was just it was a mess. Like Daryl Williams, uh forty-five percent of the routes, Eno Benjamin, forty percent, and Eno was getting some run before Williams was really even out there, right? When you know Connor was still in the game. Um, rushing attempts, thirty percent to Daryl Williams, thirty-three percent, you know, to Eno. So it's all pretty split. And then the long down and distance stuff, ninety-two percent to Daryl Williams, and actually more of the two-minute offense also. Went to Daryl Williams and not Eno Benjamin, who we would have thought, well, maybe like he would make the most sense there, right? As the guy that we thought had the receiving down chops, um, not so much. Um, so I, I think it's just going to be a cluster, like it's going to be a mess between these two guys. Maybe one of them emerges. I would, st- I feel like I would still want to put my chip in on Eno Benjamin, like because I feel like there's this unknown potential upside. Maybe he's just a better player. Daryl Williams, I feel like I've seen enough. Like, not, I mean, he's an NFL player, right? But Daryl One L Williams, like, I just don't think he's gonna do enough to make me feel like, Oh my God, I got to have him. Um, you know, now who knows, like I say that and then it'll come out next week and it'll be Daryl Williams, like all the time for James Conner. He is the one that profiles more similarly, right. To James Conner. Um, so, but I think it's going to be a split to your point. It's just going to make it tough. So I I think I would still lean Benjamin just because I also feel like Benjamin's the one that once we get James Conner back still probably has a little bit of a role, but by then who knows, you probably won't want Benjamin. He'll just be like, I'm going to cut him, let James Conner play. The
0: problem is if Connor's out next week, like it's going to be impossible to rank, you know, like in the top yeah. 30, like we're just, it's, he's going to be a flimsy start this week. And then if Connor's just back and he's going to be back to being nothing on the That bench.
1: looked like a high ankle. I'm not a doctor. I saw the play when it happened, James Connor kept playing, but I, when I saw it, I was like, I, I thought, wow, he's going to come. And he did that last year when he got hurt at the end of the year, like he kept playing in that game. So I think an adrenaline wore off at halftime. Um, but it, I, my guess is that's going to be, and I'm not a doctor, but my guess is from looking at enough of them, cause we do this, we watch fantasy all the time and we watch what the doctors say. And they're like, looking at this mechanism of action. I'm like, yep, that's a hangle sprain. That's what it looked like. You heard it here from Dr. McFarlane as he just kept stressing to us. All
0: right. On the Raiders side of the ball. Josh Jacobs, 75% snaps, 18 carries, just one target. This did come with Brandon Bolden out. I, I don't know why Brandon Bolden matters, but he does to Josh McDaniel. So unfortunately, he also matters to fantasy managers. Amir Abdullah did seem to take you know, the majority of the pass-down work, though. And again, this was a game that the Raiders were well in front of. So we have seen Jacobs flirt with this sort of usage in games where they can get ahead. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to find the end zone. He did get close, I believe, once, but just wasn't meant to be. Darren Waller also almost had a touchdown late in the third. It kind of went off his hands. wasn't the most accurate throw. Uh, Carr did find him later, though, for a score. The big, I guess, just story out of this one was only 12 receiving yards for Devontae Adams, his fewest in a single game since week seven of 2017, Dwayne. So after week one, it was just like, you know, over under 150 yards for Devontae Adams each and every week uh the rest of the season. Couldn't get it going in this one. For sure going back the well, you know, with him as an upside wide receiver one, top five, top six, whatever you want to say option the rest of the way. But just overall thoughts kind of on this new look, Josh McDaniel's passing game, Dwayne, now that we have two weeks of data on it.
1: Yeah, I mean we saw someone get a little bit more involved than what we've seen before with Mac Hollins. He had a 20% target share, so that was above Devontae Adams. But you really saw Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller were the two that stepped up. And we talked about this last week. You're not going to have a game every week where Devontae Adams gets a 45% target share. That's what he had in week one. And so what happened? Hunter Renfro goes from an 18% to a 26% target share. Darren Waller moved from an 18% to a 23% target share. Guess what? Those are two target shares that last year in the Raiders' offense we were happy to see. And so now you're still getting that with Devontae Adams in the offense. I think it's still a pretty condensed offense. I am not I'm not betting on Mac Hollins having many days like this. How dare so you very, very easily could have been 30% to Renfro, 28% to Waller, right? And 18% Devontae Adams. And really Mac Holland was like a five percenter. So it's just uh it's very condensed around these three players. I think all three of them are gonna pay off their ADP at this point, you know. Adams just kind of had, you know, that, that major seesaw, right? Huge week one. And then that big drop off, he still scored you a touchdown. So he came through a little kind of like bubble screen kind of pass, you know, with Mac Collins blocking for him down inside, you know, like the three yard line. So still ended up with six targets. So it's not like the worst day ever, But I think it's going to be fine. All three of these guys, I think, can survive in the passing game. And you mentioned uh, Abdullah. He was out there for all of that passing down work, 82% of the long down and distance. We did see Josh Jacobs, though, get a little bit of the two-minute offense, 44%, and he had 83% of the team's rushes. I'll be honest, Josh Jacobs, like his utilization, like almost looks more like a Derrick Henry, right? It's so high in the rushing percentage attempt um, and getting a little bit of involvement on some of the passing downs. Like, Maybe we're going to see a little bit more because like last week he was 77% of the rushing attempts uh, and was over 70% snap share. So um, they're not quite using the other two backs like they did in New England, um, you know, where it was more of like you, you struggle to have one guy get to 50% of the snaps. Josh Jacobs is vastly outproducing um, from a utilization standpoint, not producing, for, from a utilization standpoint. Like he actually looks quite a bit better than what I thought we would be thinking after two weeks. Well, it's only two
0: backs, which has been great because in week one, it was Bolden as the pass down. Abdu- Abdullah didn't really play. I think he had a couple snaps, but it wasn't anything significant. This week, Abdullah took the pass down snaps, but Zamir White only had a 5% snap rate and one rush attempt. So that's great. And uh, Jacobs, if we don't have that Rex Burkhead, Ramondre Stevenson type guy just shaving off his early down stuff, yes, we can get behind Jacobs. and. With this Raiders offense, I think what we've seen through the first two weeks, even if their offensive line maybe still has a couple holes in it, I do think that we'll be we'll be looking at an above average scoring offense more times than not. Especially once they start really getting back into the thick of those uh, AFC West shootouts. That you know, Dwayne had that lovely over under fifty point game stat that we couldn't stop hearing about throughout the whole <laughs> offseason. I, I kept asking for it, Dwayne. I'm not hating on you, man. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Final game. Which Dwayne and I watched the first half of. We were gonna start after Sunday night football. I think we saw enough when the Packers are up twenty-four to seven on the Bears. I think we were right, Dwayne. Twenty-seven to ten, final in favor of the Packers. They cover, I'm guessing, the under hit. Justin Fields threw eleven passes in a game that the Bears lost twenty-seven to ten. Only took three sacks. Like did you just I, I, I don't know. I don't get that strategy, but it is what it is. Looking at the Packers offense first, though, lovely snap counts on behalf of the one, the only, Nathan Yonk. You can find all of us on pff.com. In terms of the Packers running backs, Aaron Jones, 40 snaps. Aaron Dillon. Aaron
1: Dillon. Aaron
0: A.J. Dillon at 39. We're definitely
1: getting late, baby.
0: So, li- yeah, literally 1A, 1A, just as Matt LaFleur told us. Uh, 18 routes for Aaron Jones, 15 routes for A.J. Dillon three targets for each carries were in favor of AJ Dillon, 18 to 15. Now Aaron Jones was fantastic out there, had the pair of first half touchdowns looked explosive. Certainly seemed like the superior player to AJ Dillon, but Dwayne more and more, man, like we just got to keep creeping these guys closer because clearly even if Aaron Jones is a better receiver and he might get a couple more uh, routes per game, they still view AJ Dillon as again, someone that I think they can go one drive in one drive out and not really adjust the offense to. So, Also having both them on the field. I want both these guys in my lineup. I just think it's unfortunate that we're probably not going to get that Alvin Kamara-esque year out of Aaron Jones that we were hoping for. Still very much a two-running back committee.
1: Yeah, I mean, long down and distance, it definitely still leaned to Aaron Jones tonight. But overall, yeah, I mean, everything was just so close. I I agree. I think we're going to have to move Aaron Jones down a little bit. A.J. Dillon keeps creeping up. It's almost becoming more like um, Nick Chubb cream hunt that's what this looks like to me now. We thought maybe we could see more of an Alvin Kamara like early in his career with, you know, AJ Dillon playing the Mark Ingram back in those days and really n- not the Mark Ingram from this year, but like back like when Kamara was a rookie and in his second year. This this really looks much more like what we're seeing in um Cleveland.
0: What do you uh what do you think the leading Packers receiver had in targets to him? Most targets for any one Packers receiver?
1: Uh Fifteen percent.
0: You always do the percentages. Four targets for Samuel yeah, Walker was, That was a team high. He did catch a fifty-five yard. Man, I thought, five.
1: Cob, I thought I thought Cobb Cobb. I figured it had to be above that. I'm pulling it up right now. I'm pulling what? it up on Ultimate
0: walk had four, and then like six or seven guys had three targets. And then, you know, Tunyon had two, and something named Tyler Davis had one. So this is, again, yeah. uh, right. I, I was I was talking about it with Justin Herbert last week, you know, just a socialist offense here, just spreading the ball around everywhere into all these guys. So it's going to be a different guy each and every
1: And We talked about this, though. Remember, we said the answer is there won't be. There's not going to be a guy get to a 20% target share probably on this offense. <laughs> it's kind of looking like that.
0: We'll keep running with that thought, Dwayne, because, you know, just about to talk about a certain wide receiver who did seem to still be playing through a little bit of pain with that ankle. But again, based on the routes, one Alan Lazard was the number one receiver, 26 routes. Watkins had 18, Dobbs had 13, Cobb had 12, Watson had seven. But man, if it's going to be that close still between these guys, I mean, look, Lazard is going to be a probable. Low end wide receiver, four type guy, and the everyone drafted him just far higher. So, look, we don't need to keep getting back into, you know, should you or should you not drafted on Lazard in round seven? You know, I, I think we've all heard by now that no, you probably shouldn't have. With that said, Dwayne, based on this and based on Lazard hopefully being healthier moving forward, I'm just still gonna have a hard like him versus Garrett Wilson or Drake London. Like, it's not even a question, in my opinion. I'm taking the rookies, uh, in that. And Lazard just seems to be the guy for now. So, overall unbiased thoughts on alan lazard the rest of the season i know you're always unbiased
1: no yeah i mean look uh, hopefully alan lazard can turn into a wide receiver three i mean i think that's what you're hoping for um to your point he was still coming back from an injury tonight so it's like i don't think you can hold all of this against him he did come away with a touchdown it was a sweet little sidearm pass from from aaron Rodgers down inside like the two yard line um where lazard did a nice job like kind of you know set up you know, looked like he was almost about to block or something and didn't know which way he was going to go. And then he, you know, cut inside on the slant. And he and Rodgers were definitely on the same page with that. So good for Alan Lazard. And, you know, a lot of folks that, you know, disagree with my thoughts on Lazard mentioned that, hey, one way potentially Lazard gets there is you just get really good touchdown, you know, equity from him. Um, You know, he just scores a lot of touchdowns. Why don't we say equity? Just he scores a lot of touchdowns. <laughs> he can score a lot of touchdowns. Um, back to like the James Jones year, right? Where, you know, they didn't really have a lead guy and James Jones didn't even get to 1,000 yards receiving. He scored enough touchdowns to still make him, you know, a nice wide receiver, too. So I think that's still the way that if Lazard were to get there, he could pay off. Um, but he is, to your point, clearly the guy out there running the most routes. Aaron Rodgers dropped back to pass 30 times tonight, and Alan Lazar was out there for 27 of those. Sammy Watkins was next at 19. Aaron Jones was behind that at 19, and the rest of the guys were at 15 or lower.
0: Sick Ari. PFF's finest
1: is stealing my
0: hill waddle.
1: I saw that. I saw Word that for word. Started.
0: Come on, man. Be better with that. Like, just, I don't know. It's not, it doesn't take that hard to. Just throw an ad out there. I
1: just, uh, uh, yeah, I just, I just retweeted your tweet. I like Artie, That's but I like, handled it,
0: bro. He tweeted that shit like two hours ago. Come on, man, like just. <laughs> read the room i I don't, I don't let this shit get to me i just think like come on man like this is uh this is a little much even for me here Dwayne. but that's okay <laughs> we'll uh we'll, we'll just keep uh what i say winners focus on winning losers focus on winners right so on the bears side of things darnell mooney 16 routes dante pettis 14 equinamia st brown 12 cole Komet 15 ryan griffin three just gross you're not going to have many freaking again Receiving yards when your quarterback throws the ball 11 times. We did see Dave Montgomery, though, 33 snaps, just eight for Khalil Herbert, continuing to really dominate usage. So Dave Montgomery, man, did look good out there. I saw some people just early on in our show saying in the comments that Montgomery was looking good. And sure enough, 122 yards on 15 carries. Why did the Bears give him, you know, this much work in a game that, again, they just weren't really in. They probably needed to pass the ball. I don't know. Wasn't able to watch the second half. We were talking here with you guys, but David Montgomery at least had a nice bounce back after that inefficient week one. Still have the same sort of questions we've talked about in Houston, in Jacksonville. David Montgomery joining. Is he someone that you're that you're looking at more so as an RB three? Or do you think he could be just like maybe a slightly worse version than uh, Josh Jacobs and kind of the usage he has right now?
1: No, I mean I think when and I I talked about this last week, you know, uh in my stuff over at PFF and at Fantasy Life, just the fact that, you know, I know we don't like Josh Jacobs. But for right now, like he's getting used a lot. Like his utilization is actually more in line with what we would think we were getting, you know, from, you know, an RB one. And so I think right now, like you've just got to look at it and you kind of got to, you know, maybe he's going to lose, you know, some of that work. Like that's totally possible that he ends up losing some of this work, you know, to someone else. But at the end of the day, I just don't see a way where you can keep, you know, David Montgomery out of an RB2 territory. I mean, he was out there for 81% of the snaps tonight, handled 15 out of 19 rushing attempts, you know, handled 11 out of 15 dropbacks where there was one of the two backs on the field. Like that's, I mean, he's out there all the time. Like he's getting all of it. He just needs the, bear, the bears, how many times did they drop back to pass? Like, Dude, I hardly see times. any, how so, many, it could be fields had I 11, think it's 17. Attempts. He had
0: 11 pass attempts and three sacks. So probably a couple scrambles. He's at 17. Yeah. That's what I can't figure out.
1: 17. I'm sitting here like refreshing as I'm talking, you know, like trying to buy myself time to refresh.
0: They were down 24, seven and a half. Like their first drive was pretty good.
1: How do you get down by that much and not throw the ball, drop back to pass more than 17 times? Oh my God. It was was starting
0: to rain a bit in the second quarter, but it wasn't anything like week one. I mean.
1: Yeah. So, so, Overall percentage wise, those are all really good numbers for Herbert. I mean, not for Herbert, for Montgomery, assuming that the bears can get the offense on track like that, that's the real question here is like, can the bears get, get the offense on track?
0: Zach Bates telling us a ton of three and outs. That makes sense. And, you know, appreciate you, Zach, helping us out with that. As Greg notes, road game versus Bucks will be a different story in week three compared to getting the Bears at home. Another good point, but at least for this week, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, especially Aaron Jones. What are
1: you you doing with Darnell Mooney? Oof. Two targets, one catch for minus four yards.
0: Man, I hope that the Bears have a different plan to pass the ball, like more so in future weeks. I'll, let's give him. Let's try to get a game that's not yeah. impacted by the weather. That's not like in Lambo, and then see what happens. But yeah, not good at all.
1: <laughs> not not good, man. <laughs> not good,
0: man, comma man.
1: <laughs>
0: all right, Dwayne, we've gone two twenty yeah. here. I thought we had, you know, whatever. Good time, good shit. We got two Monday night football <laughs> games tomorrow night. Always a pleasure, brother. Everyone can find you over at MB Fantasy Life, and you know, I, I usually have a much better idea about your work week to week. And you know, things are changing a little bit, Dwayne. So let let the people know exactly what you got over there. And, you know, of course they can always find you at Dwayne McFarland on the old Twitter sphere
1: yeah absolutely so everybody knows what i'll be in the bunker working on tomorrow the utilization report um so you will have the full uh all the charts and everything over at pff but you will also have uh it will be over at fantasy life as well and then after that i am working on my tiers and rankings which will come out on wednesday and then i do my fade smashes might change that up a little bit this week but then also have two pods during the week one they're both with marcus grant from nfl network matthew berry joins me on thursday so lots of fun stuff going on you guys go check it out over at fantasylife.com
0: slightly new schedule pff fantasy football podcast this week we got our review i'll be back here tuesday afternoon slash more it's like 12 30 i kind of consider that morning but most people say afternoon my guy nathan yonke doing waivers and then i'm going to be talking with kevin cole basically doing a team by team uh breakdown going through talking about the matchup, also talking just more about you know the things kevin likes to talk about being, you know, a pretty analytical mind himself. So not going to have the uh, solo positional previews this week. I'm going to do a little something different. Don't worry. Information will still be getting out there. And as always, you can find the PFF ranks for myself and the rest of the crew, PFF Plus, PFF app on the website, all that so much more. Yeah, it's great that it'd be great. So for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks as always for tuning in, everybody. And until next time, take care.